Welcome back into another episode of the Owen Show, episode 18 today. Recapping all of our, our, our championship weekend, AFC and NFC title games in the books. Looking forward to some Pro Bowl action. Looking forward to some Super Bowl action. Not this week. Next week we'll get to some Super Bowl preview stuff, but a lot of news to talk about. I and Owen Burke, per usual, joined by Tim Hunt. Tim, how you doing today? You know, pretty good. We're uh, we're rocking the remote setup uh, again this week. Schedules are just absolutely crazy. Yeah. It's uh, 11 o'clock on a Tuesday night for you and I, so... Mm-hmm. Uh, crazy. Schedules. We got some crazy weather out here in Kansas. So. Yeah, exactly. What I was gonna say. crazy schedule, crazy weather. Just a whole lot of variables. Going yeah, on right now we're gonna we're whatever it takes to put out a show. Though you know we're gonna go through it. So exactly, we're dive straight into our fan questions this week. We have one question from Xavier Kaysen. Uh He asked, um, "Are or I guess are and were, which we'll answer both. Are the Spurs were the Spurs a dynasty?" I think that one's pretty self-explanatory. Five titles in, well, I believe it was, I want to say like 12 years, something like that. Won the first one in 99. The, the last one was in... 14, so 14. 15 years. So in 15 years, four t- five titles. Definitely a dynasty in my opinion. Um, well, that, whenever, there, there is no question. There yeah. is no, there's not really an opinion on that one. Yeah, that's the, just a fact. The Spurs were definitely a dynasty. Um, yeah. There is, there is no if and buts about it. Um, no. Are they a dynasty now? I would definitely say no. No. Um, Greg Popovich is still there. Now, whether he will stay there is a huge question. They haven't been able to really find the superstar player to come in or drafted that superstar player to come in and kind of re- revamp the franchise. DeJounte Murray's having a great year. They have a ton of role players. Like, if there was ever a decision moment in an offseason and, you know, two or three superstars wanted to team up somewhere, I San Antonio is really not a terrible spot. Yeah. Really good head coach, solid roster all around. They're just they're lacking the star power is the issue. The, the problem, I think, with San Antonio now is they used to always have above-average role players. You know what I mean? They yeah. had – they had all-star level role players and they really don't anymore. It's a good supporting cast, but not enough that would make me want to go there. Not, you know what I mean? There's not those pieces there that you're like, yep, plug two stars in and it's a contender team. It would be a really good team. I don't know if it's a contender team. Yeah, I would agree. It kind of depends on who would land there and everything. I like a lot of the, I do like the young pieces that they have there, but um, it all depends on obviously who, who, what teams open up around them as well. But yeah, if there's anybody that can create a second dynasty, it's definitely Greg Popovich. So they're in good hands until he retires for sure. I'm surprised he's honestly lasted this long. I would agree. I felt like mediocre. This team has been, I felt like after, yeah, I mean, they've, they've been rough this year. They were rough last year. And I think it was the year after maybe the last year that Tim Duncan of the big three was kind of there his wife had passed away, which like that had also spurred a lot of retirement rumors at the time. So I'm, I'm extremely surprised that he's still kicking at this point because there was, there was a lot of rumors on and off the court of why he wanted, or people thought he was going to retire and he's still there despite all of it. So yeah, two years, the last two years he's been below 500. So, um, I mean, he's 73 years old. He's been coaching this team since 1996. So, yeah, he's he's, he's been the head coach there for 25, 26 years, which is crazy. Insanity. Crazy, crazy. Especially at, at a major league level. Like, Oh, yeah. 
you can hold that job at a college level for that long sometimes, especially like position coaches sometimes. But like, at, at, I that's probably if I had to guess, it's probably the longest tenured head coach of any major professional sports team in America. Uh, it's gotta be, yeah, it's gotta be up there. He's been coaching longer than Bill Belichick and that's the only person I think that could rival it. I think. Yeah. Which I mean, if Bill Belichick goes for another four or five years, he'd probably tie it up. Yeah. Belichick's at two, he started in 2000. So yeah, Belichick's four years behind him. Yeah. And four years younger than him too, actually. So that's crazy. That is crazy. That's that's a really weird coincidence. Um, our second fan question comes to us from Austin Richards. And he asks, do we think esports are real sports to us? Kind of what our opinion on the esports debate is. I, I have my thoughts. Do you want me to lead or do you want to go first? Yeah, go for it. I'm curious to see what you have to say. Yeah. I, I think it depends on how you define a sport. But to me, a sport is anything that is can be resolved down to a, a competition of some kind, right? Mm-hmm. So. To me, I think the biggest question to answer this one is chess a sport to you. If the answer is yes, then esports are a sport. If the answer is no, then the then the answer is no. To me, I think esports is real, and I would argue it's probably the fastest growing league um, that's out there. I would agree. I think it's definitely catching because I mean, it's the everyone wants to be a professional athlete growing up, and now you could be a professional video game player like who that's obviously a dream career for a lot of kids um so it's definitely the 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 most growing uh, we had this talk on bdl i think it was over the christmas break somewhere around christmas was a couple episodes where we did without shay and i think somebody asked if cheerleading was a sport or it was maybe like dance was a sport and mm-hmm. my my definition of sport has always been can you compete is there a trophy to be held at the end of the year is there a competition being had? That's a sport to me. Right. So esports is a sport to me. Now, like, and my ultimate example is because everyone's always asked me, obviously being around sports as long as I have been. And like I was a sports editor in the yearbook in high school and everything. So people always ask me because they're always curious. And obviously a lot of, some people get offended. Like, do you think cheerleading is a sport? And I, I tell you that, the cheerleaders on the sideline of a high school football game, that is not a sport. If you cheerlead for a high school, to me, that's not a sport. There's not a competition there. But, like, the professional cheerleading teams, like, either there's just, like, Eclipse that's in Wichita, that's a sport. Yeah, there's nationals. You have so, all uh, these competitions that go on as well with that. We're kind of getting off topic here, but uh, I'm going to I'm gonna endure this. But the one thing I'll say is most of the time – the cheerleading teams that you see on like football teams, they do compete mm. on the side. So most of the time, believe it or not, the football game is just a practice performance. Um, Cause most of those teams, my mom has been a cheerleader coach for, I don't know, like 10, 15 years, something like that. Mm. Um, and even she is coached from the pop Warner. And then she's been a varsity coach for like four or five years now she's been a varsity coach for a while now um and she's done all the way down to pop warner and even at pop warner level they competed um i didn't know that yeah so so even at even like your high school teams that like are cheerleading on the football like they will actually go out and compete on the weekend so i think cheerleading is just as much as a sport because if you can compete as it's it's honestly might be more competitive like they have nationals for that so if you go on and win your state and then when you're region you can go compete at a national level for pop warner cheerleading so 
if you think about it, like that's almost more competitive than Pop Warner football, which is nuts. Because Pop Warner football, you win your league and like that's it. You don't go on beyond that. So um, I will say that. The other thing I'll say about esports, and it's I have two thoughts on the esports thing, is I think it's cool because it's just like football where anyone with any shape or size can play esports and be successful, right? Like the cool part about football is, is you have guys that are 5'10, weigh 180 pounds, and they're the kicker. And you also have guys that are six foot eight and weigh 330 pounds and they play on the offensive line, right? Like yeah. that, that is a cool aspect of football that you have all different shapes and sizes. You have guys that are fast, guys that are slow, guys that are strong, guys that are weak, guys that can kick a football. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you have all these unique body types. And that's the cool thing I would say about esports that allows that, like, I mean, long as you can use a controller or a keyboard for the most part, you can. Well, even then, like, I can't tell you how many streamers and things that I've seen like on TikTok and Twitch and YouTube that like guys that don't have the, that are, their paraplegics don't have the use of anything, but their neck up or, mm-hmm. you know, have their special made controllers and everything. And those right. guys can still play as well. So it does open up a whole new Avenue. And I do think it's a sport. Cause like I said, if you can compete in it, like if there's a trophy to be held at the end of the year, individual or team wise, hundred percent, it's a sport to me. I was, so. I and I have I have one more thought here. The only thing that scares me about esports is there isn't a focus. So when you say football, you think of the NFL or college football, right? Like you have yeah. two main. I would argue like seventy five sixty percent of people are going to say the NFL. Forty percent of people are going to say college football. Mm-hmm. When I say esports, what do you think of? You know what I mean? Like that's the yeah. only problem with it. It's it's cool and it's bad at the same time because there's no direction. There's no direction with it of like, oh hey, this is going to be the game that represents esports, which will hinder its popularity to a certain degree, but it'll help it be it'll help it hit a wider audience because if you like to watch Madden, you can watch Madden. If you like to watch a game like League of Legends or Dota or, you know, any of those type of games, like you can watch those games or Warzone or, you know what I mean? Yeah. And if you said esports wasn't real and we play in a somewhat competitive Madden league together online, like that would be the most hypocritical thing ever. Hundred percent, yeah, you're not wrong. Like I consider, you, I consider myself an esports gamer just because of the couple of Madden leagues we have. <laughs> just, just because you went undefeated, and won a Super Bowl in one yeah. league. I am an athlete. That's all <laughs> I have to say about it. So. Maybe I guess that's a whole other conversation to have afterwards. It's a sport, but are esports guys athletes? Athletes, no. As well. No, there, I think there's a difference there. Yeah, that's, that's a whole other conversation we don't have time to get into. So, before we get into our recaps from Championship Week, a quick word from StockX. That is an online marketplace and clothing reseller, primarily of sneakers. Since November of 2020, it has also opened up to electronic products such as game consoles, smartphones, and computer hardware. The Detroit-based company was founded by Dan Gilbert, Josh Luber, and Greg Schwartz, and Chris Kaufman in in about 2015 or 2016. StockX has more than 800 employees in downtown Detroit, authenticating shoes and other accessories daily. StockX's pick of the weeks is Yeezy Foam Runners and the Fear of God Essentials Core Collection Crew Deck. Type in promo code BDL for 10% off. Valid from February 2nd 
through the 12th in all 50 states and in Puerto Rico. Shop now for all your fashion needs. So, y'all heard it, man. It's it's February 2nd. It's past February 2nd by the time y'all are going to hear this. Y'all got a week. Y'all got 10 days. You got 10% off at checkout when you use code BDL. So make sure you get on to StockX, get some new drip, get some shoes. Maybe buy yourself a PS5 you've been looking at for a while. I mean, this is a purchase you want to make. This is this is the time to do it. Get get ten percent off with our code. I didn't realize they were Detroit based until we read their ad last time. That's mm-hmm. super cool that they do all of their authenticating in in Detroit. So that's super in Detroit. Awesome. Yeah, it's a big employer up there as well. So definitely something cool. So obviously, AFC NFC title games in the books. Another fantastic week of football, man. I don't know what else you could ask for at this point, other than your team being one of the two teams going to the Super Bowl or. One of your teams that's played in the last two weeks, because good lord, it's been a run. It has probably been the best six game stretch of football you could ask for. I, I mean, the fact that we've had six games and they've all come down to a final possession mm-hmm. is insanity to me. And Who even, it, yeah, as as somebody who doesn't have a team in the race here, um, this has probably been the best football to watch like playoff nfl playoffs to watch without a team in it you know what i mean yeah i would agree because you're gonna watch every game and go wow everybody's got a chance here like that is really really cool and really really fun i think that's just where the league's at man the parody is insane and i think you we you know we've seen dynasties you know the dynasty of the last three to four years in kansas city and you see the the team out of nowhere and guess who's representing afc in the super bowl yeah so I think this is this has shown how hard it is going to be to have a dynasty going forward because, 100%. you know, we, we've talked about it a lot on this show where, you know, we always say there's always like 20 guys that are like in the top 10, right? 100%, and, yeah. And this is a point in the league where there's so many good quarterbacks that it it really feels like you can win with a top if you have one of the top third quarterbacks, it feels like you have a chance to win a Super Bowl. Yeah, and I feel like where everything's going, like everybody's like, who's your top 10 QBs? And they're like, give me your top 10. Give me in order one through 10. I feel like at this point with the talent that we have, and this is every position, not just quarterbacks, we got to start doing tier lists. Like yeah. this, this is the S tier in no order. This is the A tier, B tier, you know. Because at have, this point, have, it's so impossible, especially like wide receivers are the hardest to rank for me because it changes year in, year out. There's a new top five, in my opinion. I think you and I, this this offseason, we're going to come up with some creative tiers. I've got some tiers of like, of, of like tiers how I would rank quarterbacks, right? Because everyone, everyone does like the top 10 or whatever. I think you did the top 10 this offseason, didn't you? Yeah, I did. I did a... Top ten. I tried to do every position. I think we ended up. I ended up doing every position group. Did so. you? So, like, I like for quarterbacks. Like, I think there's a really interesting argument to be had for, you know, ranking as carry your team Super Bowl level quarterbacks, and then there's the game managers, there's the unproven quarterbacks, and then there's quarterbacks you just move on from, right? Like bridge quarterbacks. So, I think I think this year we'll we'll probably do some interesting tiers and maybe try to break away from like the top 15 or top 20 and try to categorize like, you know, instead of trying to like 
figure out who the top 10 wide receivers are, be like game changer wide receivers or double me. Like you have to double these wide receivers or something. You know what I mean? Something more interesting than just like putting one to 10 on them. Yeah, I would agree. Cause it's, I think it's true. I talked with Shane the same about this all the time in music. And I think it's true for sports. Like, it's never really hard, like naming your favorite four albums or your top five quarterbacks. It's always who are the two that gets left out. It's real easy to think of four, but it's which of the six are you going to leave out? Because six names come to your head. Which one is going to be left out of the top five? Right. That's always the hard part. So I think tier lists are the way to go going forward. Yeah. Um, All right. Let's let's jump into the game. Um, you know, Chiefs versus Bengals. We both picked the Chiefs here, so we were both very, very, very wrong here. Yep. Um, but that's okay. That happens sometimes, you know? It does. It does happen. After my hot start, I was a little disappointed to to not finish out super strong. So, you know, that's how it goes it's sometimes. Tough. It's tough. What was, but, what was your biggest takeaway from this? Man, it's – for Kansas City, it's – obviously, it's heartbreaking – um, good on the Bengals. You made the play when you need to make the play. Um, I think the name of the game of this in in this AFC title game was just adjustments. I think the Bengals made the adjustments at halftime. Uh, Kansas City obviously didn't need to make many. Up twenty one was it twenty one three going into half? It was twenty one ten going into twenty one ten going to half. Not a ton of adjustments to be made. Probably you're looking to just kind of stay the course and obviously. If you need to adjust within the second half, you got to make sure you do so on each side of the ball. And I mean, I think the I think Cincinnati dropped eight into coverage for like forty five percent of the second half, and Kansas City did nothing to adjust back afterwards. Right? Like, all right, well, you're going to drop eight in coverage, and uh, we're just going to kind of run around and throw the ball into the dirt a bunch of times. Um, so that was the biggest thing in the second half. Do you me. think so? You think it was more of Cincinnati making adjustments in the second half and less of Patrick Mahomes either playing off or playing scared? I, I think it was a little bit of both because I, like I said, Patty was playing, did not play well in the second half at all, but I think it was because of the adjustments that Cincinnati made. Like, I we're talking about almost half of their defensive snaps in the second half, they dropped eight into coverage with a three man rush. Um, which that's tough to throw. I mean, you're talking about at most you're going to have five receivers out in the pattern and there's eight defenders. Right. So we're talking about they could drop a QB spy and just go cover two man at that point with a spy on against five wide set. And, you know, they're living with that at that point. Um, I I would say I, I, I see where you're coming from. I think the narrative is much more of like Patrick Mahomes did not play well, like he was a broken player. Um for me, it he was make re- the adjustments back. He didn't make the adjustments and and he just stopped running the ball all of a sudden. I don't yeah. know what that was about. He was having himself I mean, he only he only had a couple carries in the first half, but when he stopped breaking that line of scrimmage on the runs, I felt like even though they really couldn't get the run game going that much, I felt like the threat of him running was helping with the coverage. And when he stopped, when that threat went away, I feel like that hurt. Oh, 110%. Because like I said, you can run cover two man with a spy if they're putting out – and if they block a running back, you've got, you've got two guys in deep zones, you've got one over the middle and a spy and a three-man rush, and you're still manned up everywhere else. You could double cover Tyreek and still have three zones on the field at that point. Right. Yeah, with the three-man rush. So 
Hundred percent. I think they've got to get the run game going. I think that you have to re-sign Jet McKinnon going into the offseason. And I think Kansas City needs to take the approach of kind of what Baltimore was before J.K. Dobbins after Ray Rice, which was I mean, I guess it really wasn't an approach. It it really wasn't an approach. It was kind of just what happened. They were like, Well, we have these three running backs, they're all pretty solid, and then one kind of separates himself, and then that's your guy for the year. Like I'd right. like to look at Baltimore's leading rushers, and they were all different um, after Ray Rice up until Dobbins was drafted, or up until they got Mark Ingram, really. And and they all had solid years. I'm talking about 800, 900 rushing yards, and it was a different. It was Javoris Allen one year. It was Alex Collins another. Obviously, Ray Rice was there, Mark Ingram. Justin Forsett came in for a year or two. Like, so that's what Kansas City needs to do. I think I think that hopefully that they've realized that spending a first rounder on Clyde probably wasn't the smartest decision in the world. Um because it wasn't needed. You can find like ask Tom Brady. Receiving running backs are pretty pretty easy to find. And it's also hard to find one that's gonna break a game open at the same right. time. Like receiving running backs, you're either that receiving running back is a top ten running back in the league, or he's a, a journeyman. Like Mm-hmm. There's really no in between. You like you have your CMCs and your Camaras, but then you have your Cordell Pattersons, your any running back that's played for the Patriots from 01 to 2020. It was um, mainly it was mainly James White has been our most consistent receiving yeah. back, but yeah. And I mean, you look at if you look at like all the I think Brady threw. I think there was like I I looked at a list to uh, I looked at a list earlier this week. And it was like the 40 receivers that Brady threw to while he was a Patriot QB. So it was just up till 2019 before he left for the Bucks. Mm-hmm. And like, there's like, there's like nine running backs. You have Danny Woodhead, Rex Burkhead, Lawrence mm-hmm. Maroney, like all the, all there's like nine receiving running backs on there. So I'm and none I'm, of those guys I'm, were ever top five running backs. I'm looking at this list right now. Mm-hmm. 10 is Kevin Falk, 11 is James White, 12 is Shane Vereen, 13 is Danny Woodhead, 14 is Deion Lewis. That is quite literally – oh, the running backs. Yeah, okay. So running, he has five running backs in his top 40 that he's thrown to the most. Still, yeah. And none of those guys were ever even top 10 running backs in the NFL. Uh, Kevin Kevin Falk had a 1,300-yard season. So okay. I don't know. I don't know if I'd I'll say give that. give Kevin Falk his one year. He Kevin Falk was different. James James White's been a Pro Bowler maybe once or twice. Shane Vereen never was. I don't think Danny Woodhead ever was. I don't think Deion Lewis ever was. Yeah. So, so the the point is is you just kind of you have your three running backs that are all really good, and you kind of run with the hot hand. And Jet McKinnon mm-hmm. was hundred percent the hot hand in the postseason, and I think that's what they have to do going forward is you kind of you have your two or three running backs that are solid and you just kind of you play them off the game plan you're like all right we're gonna have to ground the ball this you're gonna have to kind of actually get a ground game established we're gonna start damian williams this week okay Mm -hmm. we need some explosiveness i'm gonna start jet mckinnon okay i need neither i'll put clyde in i don't know what you put clyde in for at that point but if you get what i'm saying if I'm Kansas City, I don't know how I see a world where I don't go out and I don't I don't draft a running back in the third round for the next three years until I hit one. Yeah, you know I'm, I'm definitely saying? not spending a first round pick on one. That's no, what I'm saying. That's I, definitely no, a day two need. It is yeah. I mean, I think late round, I don't think using a first round pick on a running back is 
I think it's hardly ever worth it because you have to have so much Elks right around it. I mean, let's look at recent history. Christian McCaffrey has been amazing, but the team hasn't been amazing because the quarterback hasn't been there or, you know, he's hurt or this piece is missing or that, you know what I mean? Saquon Barkley, you know, had two really great years and then, the quarterback wasn't right, or this rookie wasn't Saquon right. Barkley was arguably one of the greatest running backs I've ever seen with my own two eyes. But mm-hmm. there's a reason that that sentence started with rookie Saquon Barkley, not right. just Saquon Barkley in general. So you look at all these guys that get drafted, you know, in the first round. I mean, Clyde Edwards, Sarrer, Sony, Sony Michelle. You know, it's just not there. It's the hit rate at running back in the first round versus hit rate in the midday pick is it's got to be damn close to it you know what yeah, I mean? i'd like to i'd like to go look at all of the the rookie rush leaders this year and just see like obviously i think Najee was the only running back who got taken in the first round but i'd like to see where everyone else kind of landed at this year because it's been a like, quiet year elijah mitchell i know had a good year so when you're looking at just rookie running backs Najee Harris obviously was taken in the first round let it Elijah Mitchell almost had a thousand yards. Javante Williams, who was a split back, he split carries with Melvin Gordon all year in Denver, almost had a thousand yards. Michael Carter was like a fourth or a fifth round pick. Yeah. Chuba Hubbard came in in some relief spots, and then Ramondre Stevenson was the other guy that hit over six hundred yards. Yeah, and if you think about like Michael Carter didn't catch fire till late in the year. Uh, Hubbard wasn't seeing many touches, and unless Christian McCaffrey was hurt. And Stevenson, of course, is a Patriot running back. So, you know, there's, you know, three week periods where he does physically does not touch the ball. So uh, out of out of all these running backs, Stevenson only played 12 games and had 600 yards. So, yeah, I mean, Elijah Mitchell was a sixth round pick and the second running back drafted by the Niners. They traded up to go get Trey Sermon in the third. And Elijah Mitchell was the guy that almost ran for a thousand yards for them coming out right. of the sixth round. Michael Carter was a fourth round pick. I think Javante Williams was a third. I want to say off the top of my head, he was I a think, second round pick. I think pick Stevens, Stevens was a third or a fourth round pick too. Yeah, and then you have Khalil Herbert, who I think was sixth or seventh, I believe. Yeah. So you look at all those running backs, and yeah, Najee was the only one to get a thousand yards, and he was the only guy that was drafted in the first round, but Elijah Mitchell was taken to the sixth and he was literally 300 yards behind him. Right. So yeah. as much as the Steelers hit, imagine if they would have taken a tackle there or a guard or a quarterback and then taken any one of these top six running backs that finished for rushing yards later on in the draft. You know, you could have argued that they would have been better suited going forward. Right. No, so, and, I, and I think we're we're getting to a point where you're seeing more and more teams that are running back by committee. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It is no longer you're no longer going to see one person lead. I mean, I mean, this is always a bad example, but look at the Patriots. Damian Harris had a thousand yards. Ramon Stevens had seven hundred yards. Brandon Bolden had six hundred yards. So they had three running backs over the five hundred yard benchmark. I, I think that's the future. I think more teams are going to go to a style like that. Uh, you know, I'm sure the Ravens on a normal year would have that. So Baltimore is still third in the league for rushing yards as a team this year. Were they really? Yeah. 
So, so despite losing their top three options at running back and running a committee of undrafted free agent Tyson Williams, free agent signing Le'Veon Bell, free agent signing De, uh, Devonta Freeman, and free agent signing Latavius Murray, Lamar Jackson, and Tyler Huntley, they were still third behind the Philadelphia Eagles, who had the best run game by far this year once they figured out that they were good at it, and then the Colts, who had the best running back this year in Jonathan Taylor. So – even when all your running backs go down, you can still run the ball effectively with whoever you want to throw in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But no, back to the Chiefs. <laughs> yeah, I know. We kind of got way off topic here. But, I mean, I don't know. I think we've covered the Chiefs enough. I, I think it's disappointing. I mean, you win the coin toss in overtime. and Yeah, I greed, man. I've, I've never seen a team get more greedy in OT than the Chiefs were on those three plays that they ran. Yeah, I just, I I just don't know. I mean, besides a running back, I don't know which more you can put around this team. That's the problem, you know. Defense, go defense. Good lord, if they spend anything outside, like if a first, a second, or a third lands on an offensive guy, that's not an absolute steal. Like obviously, if the best running back on the board is available at pick forty-five, okay, take him. Cool. Okay, I'm fine with that. You know, if it's a steal to take him there, take him. But it has got to be – I guess you could take an offensive lineman, but it's got to be a defensive pick, especially in the first round this year. Because they, they, they need the help. Because if they lose the coin toss against Josh Allen, there's a chance that they didn't play in the AC title game at all. Because their defense wasn't going to stop as much as Buffalo's was. Yeah, so they, they won the coin toss and Arrowhead erupts. Because obviously everyone's like, all right, well, game's over. Like – we just won. Patrick, you know, Patty's going to go score a touchdown, which that logic is sound. But I'm surprised that their fans were so confident after the half that they just watched. Right. I mean, we just watched Patrick Mahomes for the first time in his career probably get absolutely taken out of a game. We've seen rough games here and there. Like, we're talking non existent. There was no point scored in the second half. Or, yeah, no point scored in the second half outside of the, the game tying field goal. For the Chiefs, but, you're saying? Yeah, for the Chiefs. Yeah, okay. And then you come out, you win the coin toss. Great. And take the touchback. Come out for our first drive. First and 10 from the 25, 15 minutes on the clock. And I saw three straight shots like down the field, like 20-plus yard passes. I'm like, get a, get a first down. This isn't – the two-minute drill's not on, man. I guess mm-hmm. not. It wasn't 15 minutes. You know what I'm saying? Five minutes. You've got time. I, I was I was so confused by the play calling. And then the throw, obviously, that led to the interception was bad. But I was so confused by the fact that they felt like they needed to move the ball so quickly. Like, you won the coin. Like, you have the time. You can take all five minutes and go score. Like, I don't know. The play calling in the OT was definitely questionable. Obviously, the throw by Patty was not great. Right. And Joe Burr is on his way to the Super Bowl. So yeah, the the thing I'll say that I that impressed me the most about the Bengals so far this year is they're not reliant on one piece in particular. Um, it feels like every game they're able to come out and rely on somebody else a little bit more. So, yeah. I mean Jamar K Jamar Chase, excuse me, 
didn't really have that long big play that you normally expect out of him. You normally expect, you know, one one A catch one, for 40, 40 50, yard. 60 yard. Yeah. yeah. And he really didn't have that. But T. Higgins was a monster. Like yeah. that man was was catching everything. And Joe Mixon, uh, I, I mean, he's not going to be anywhere close to discussion for comeback player of the year, but what a turnaround he's had from coming off that injury. So he's had an animal year this year. They're able to rely on so many pieces and Joe Burrow played well. He didn't play amazing. You know, that's the one thing I'll say is, is at the end of the day, it wasn't like it was all on his shoulders. 23 for 38, 250 yards, two touchdowns and interception. It wasn't, you know, a, a fireworks kind of game where everything was exploding, everything like that. But solid special teams, solid defense and an offense that was good enough to put him over the top, you know, and yep. that's. Sometimes that's all you need to win games. So, Agreed. All right. NFC title game? Man, I feel like we didn't spend enough time talking about the Bengals there. For the team, that we spent so much time talking about the that's team true. that lost that game. Well, I mean, it's it's because the Chiefs, like, in my, like I said, the second they, half by the Bengals was great, and they deserved to win that game. But in my opinion, Kansas City lost that game. That's why I felt like we had to talk there. As far as Cincinnati goes, you make the adjustments at halftime. You not only slow down, but you basically halt the best offense in the NFL in the last four years, completely shut them out in the second half, minus the game-tying field goal to go to OT. You play great defense, get the interception, go out and win the game. I mean – Yeah, I mean, it's fair because the expectation for Kansas City was there. So I would say – Probably 80% of people picking this game had probably had Kansas City. So, I mean, we both picked Kansas City because I thought you knew what you got when it came to Patrick Mahomes. And yeah. he it was just disappointing is really the only way to sum that up. So, um, and, and again, we talked about it. I think it's going to be tough. I don't think it's going to be easy to be a dynasty. I'm not saying the Patriots had it super easy. But, I mean, most of the time, if Tom Brady got through either Big Ben or Peyton Manning, he was set. And I I think there's teams that missed the playoffs this year that could be Super Bowl contenders next year. Oh, so, 100, 110, I think there's teams that missed the playoffs this year that could have been Super Bowl contenders this year. Like, Yeah, yeah exactly. The parity is crazy. I think as a, if you were a fan of the game, now if you're the casual, I like my team and I like my team only, Obviously, you, your happiness with football rides off your team's success. But if you're a nerd of the game, like we are, then, bro, let's let's this, be honest. Nobody's listening to this podcast that is a casual. Like that's true. Nobody. There's is, people we work with, or I guess you used to work with that are casual fans. My parents, I would consider casual fans. Okay. If my mom listens every once in a while, which she feels like just putting on two hours or something that she has no idea what we're talking about. For most right. Time. Right. Okay. Exactly. Um, the people which who I respect deep- that grind. If you're listening right now and you're like, I don't even know what the fuck these guys are talking about, but <laughs> I love you twice as much. Cause people always used to, especially when we first started and when I used to do the show at Butler all the time, they were like, yeah, hey, listen to the show. I was like, and you know, it would be the girl that was working at the RA office. So my girlfriend, when, before we started dating, we were just friends. She's like, I listened to your show today. And I was like, you don't have to. She's like, well, I feel bad if I don't. I was like, you don't watch. I was like, you don't know what we're talking about. I was like, you're just listening to two hours of me talk just to hear me talk. You have not only no interest, but no idea what we're saying. You don't have to feel bad. You know, so if you're if you're listening just because you like to hear us talk, 
hey, yeah, I, mean, I have more love for you than you could ever know. I mean, it's crazy to think that a girl you weren't dating, your parent, like all these people are more supportive. My own wife won't listen, so she'll never hear this. So I can just trash talk her on this podcast. Well, see, there you go. Time. As long as you don't talk loud enough where she can hear you. Right. Yeah. You're safe. But yeah, she doesn't listen at all. So, you know. Not you know, even it, one? Not a single episode? No, I don't think she's ever listened. Never oh, once. Yeah. Well, she's not getting any of the buyout money, so. <laughs> <laughs> you are, uh, it's into the contract agreement. You have to listen to at least one episode. Yeah, yeah. So when we get bought out by FS1 or ESPN or anyone who wants to buy us out, uh, Robin's not seen a dime. Not seen a dime. No, nope, not <laughs> happening. Yeah. Um, Next game. You ready? Fair enough. Yeah, bring it on. All right. Niners, Niners, Rams. Uh, another really, really good game. Um, Broken record on that part for sure. Yeah, yeah. Every game is always a really good game. I, I have a couple of thoughts from this game. One, I don't want to say Jimmy G didn't lose him this game. I know there's going to be a lot of people who probably feel like that. I was like, I feel like a majority of people think he did. And I, I know the turnover at the end wasn't great. I would argue more. He is more of a reason that they were in this game than they were, than they lost it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. I, I think with another quarterback, I mean, there were a lot of big third downs that he made it happen, you know? Um, the one thing I'll say the Rams did really well was they stopped that run game from ever really get rolling. You know, it never felt like it was a big part of the offense. And I think that was really the struggle. Um, when it comes to San Francisco, I think if they, if they can run the ball for a hundred yards this game, I think San Francisco wins by a touchdown or two. Um, I, I don't, I think Jimmy G played well and I think he played probably, Again, I think a lot of people are going to hate on him and blame blame the game on him. That last interception was bad, and that it that's was. ultimately and what cost him the game. But I don't think they're in this game with another quarterback. Welcome that's, to the NFL. You can play good for four and seven eighths quarters. Boy, you make that last turnover. That's all people are going to talk about. Right? Yeah. Welcome I to think, professional sports. You went for forty five, but you missed the game winner. Well, all I heard was you missed the game winner. So. The, um, oh, go ahead. No, you got it. Go for it. The other thing that kind of bothered me in this game was Sean McVay's playing calling on a couple of them where I was just like, man, what is that? Late in the fourth corner, calling that screenplay where mm-hmm. Stafford didn't really have access to the whole field. I was like, what are we doing here? Um, it just made little to no sense. It, there was just so many little mistakes like that from a coaching standpoint that he has to get tightened up before the Super Bowl. Otherwise, the Rams are going to be in trouble. I think he gets a little defensive with his play calling sometimes. That's that, I would agree. I think I think sometimes to do. he gets scared. I mean, there was that on that screenplay. You could see him as as Stafford. And, and kudos to Tony Ro- or not Tony Romo, um, Troy Aikman for calling it out. But he goes my bad on it. Like he was able to catch immediately after. Why the hell did I call that play? I. And I was scared that that happened a lot, I feel like, in the Super Bowl against the Patriots. I hope that he opens it up and lets it rip because he has to. This offense is so, there's just so many weapons. I know we say that about a lot, but Cooper Cup is special. OBJ making an impact. If there was, I know there was a lot of talk about, well, OBJ's performance with the Rams was about the same as it was for the Browns. No, 
No, it has not. It has far surpassed anything he ever did in Cleveland. I mean, this man has been an absolute weapon in the playoffs. Nine catches, 113 yards. I know he had no touchdowns, but. Yeah, and I would, you argue that just like he has another dimension to the offense and it's a, is one of those situations where stats aren't the whole story by any stretch. Like, right. He has been able to impact the game just because when you're, I think it also proves how difficult it can be to be a number one receiver sometimes and right. what, how valuable having such a strong two. And I think Cincinnati showed it this week too. Jamar Chase was still had a good game, but like you said, didn't have the explosive play. didn't have the, the 239 yards. He had the first time they played Kansas city and what T Higgins do. All right. Well, you're going to focus that guy out. Guess what? I'm going to be here all day long. And we haven't seen that game yet where teams have been able to take Cooper Cup out and Odell's been at it. But I think, and first of all, it's because Cooper Cup's been the best receiver this year by far. And you can say whatever you want. He's not top 10. He's not 10, 15, whatever. Tom Brady was never the most athletic guy on the field. And here we are seven Super Bowls 22 years later, and he's the greatest quarterback of all time. So you can discredit Cooper Cup all you want for all the guys out there that are so quick to, to do that. He's the first triple crown winner since 05. He's got his team headed to the Super Bowl and they don't beat the Bucks without him. So Yeah. And they don't they don't win this game without him either. No, hundred percent. I, I think to me another big point that they talked about it a little bit during the broadcast, and I think it's a really important thing. Going forward, it's not going to be about your number one receiver. It's not going to be about your number two weapon. It's going to be about your third weapon, right? Because that's the person that's going to be the biggest mismatch for you, right? Mm-hmm. So it's awesome. You have Cooper Cup, Odell Beckham, but it's going to be the guys behind that. What kind of game do they have, right? So mm-hmm. if you're Los Angeles, uh, Kendall Blanton had a great game. You know, Tyler Higby is a weapon. Cam Akers is a weapon. You know what ben I mean? Jefferson's been solid this year, too. The, it's going to be more about depth. And I think what this game came down to was. San Francisco has some really good talents on it. Debo Samuel's great. Um, Brandon Ayuk played really, really well, but they have George Kittle. But beyond that, you know what I mean? There isn't we really had a third receiver. I can't. Is it like Johnson or Jennings that had a solid? He really caught fire at the end of the year too. Jawan Jawan Jennings was a really yeah. good, but he only had two catches, eight yards this game. You know? Yeah, he was he was held out of this game. I would agree. So the other thing I want to kind of say for this game was. If this is a rematch and if Trey Lance is any kind of a weapon at QB, boy, is this game absolutely completely different. You know what yeah, I mean? 100%. Jimmy Garoppolo is definitely limited and he he ultimately made the big mistake that cost him the game, but he kept him in this game for a lot of it. That's what I was trying to say earlier is he, he kept him in the game. He, he kept the ship afloat. You know, he isn't somebody we we've said it all along. He is what he is, but mm-hmm. When you have that much talent and that good of a coach, sometimes that's good enough to get you pretty far, you know, and they were one mistake away from winning this game. Yeah. I think for the Niners, as heartbreaking of a loss as it is, I think as far as the future goes, I don't think it could have ended. Like, I really don't think it could have ended any better. Honestly, I know that sounds dumb to lose on a game winning pick when you had a chance to go to the Super Bowl and possibly win the Super Bowl. But like, Outside of you winning the Super Bowl, this is the best thing that could happen, in my opinion, because you you made this great run. I think you prove again, like we said, I said it last week. There's a lot of mumblings about Kyle Shanahan not being a good coach. We put that to bed. 
yeah. obviously. Yeah. We went like two Dallas, yeah, we went to two mid-season. Dallas, two Green Bay, and beat them both without throwing a single passing touchdown. That is unheard of in today's day and age, even for two home games. Yeah, we won two games. We didn't throw a single passing touchdown. What? Yeah. What year is it, first of all? And then also, we, you know, we let Trey Lance develop all year. We got to see Elijah Mitchell come out and play really well all year. We just, you know, obviously we developed, we got better. We, I think we became a more attractive free agent spot. Now, obviously we proved that we can go out and win with Jimmy G. All right. Well, we have Trey Lance now. And also Jimmy G plays well, whereas draft stock, I feel like went up honestly, but also the sour taste in your mouth from the last interception, I think is going to force them to move them in the off season. Yeah. I kind of add to your point earlier. I think remember when Kyle Shanahan was on the hot seat, like how, how crazy is that now? Stupid. I, the second I heard that, I was like, you guys are dumb. I mean, we shut it down. We shut it down pretty quick when we heard it, but boy, oh boy, was that just ludicrous talk. I mean, yeah, that's like if the Patriots would have went like seven and 10 this year or like eight and nine this year and be like, I don't know, man, Bill Belichick's on the hot seat. I like, (laughs) I, that's a, that's a wild comparison because obviously Bill Belichick's had longer success, but like you get where I'm coming from. Like, like, I don't know, man, he's had two down years. It's like people were calling for John Harbaugh's job this last year. Um, and this year people have been talking about it. I'm like, you guys are fucking idiots. I was like, you, you obviously must've just came around with Lamar one MVP because John Harbaugh's going nowhere anytime fast. Yeah. I we mean, we could have four straight losing seasons going forward. And I would still argue that, I mean, he'd definitely be on the hot seat by year four, but I would still argue that he probably deserves a job depending on the circumstances going into year four. Yeah. I, I think, I think it's crazy. Uh, yeah, I think it's crazy. If you have a top 10 coach in the NFL, and I think Brian Flores was maybe on the cusp of that somewhere close. You, I, It's hard to say that without, you know, with only making the playoffs once in two years. But we're going to talk about him here in a little bit, obviously. But I, I said that when he got fired. I was like, I, I watched Lamar Jackson go out and torch that defense for five touchdowns. Like, they're – in the, in the beginning of, I believe it was the 2020 season, so not this year. Was it the COVID year or was it the year before, actually? How long was he in Miami? Uh, two whole seasons. Two whole seasons? So I, I it, was, it was his rookie year as a head coach. Um, Baltimore goes out and laces them, like, like 50 to 7 week one. Their, their point differential through the first three weeks of the season was like negative 70, like something ridiculous, like negative 85. And I was like – this is probably the worst roster I've ever seen assembled and actually go out and play every Sunday, Thursday, or Monday. Like this team is horrible. That team went nine and seven and won the playoffs. Or oh, he, got to the playoffs. He he had three he so had three he was three seasons. Year. So 2019, 2020, 2021, but you're talking about 2020. That was the year they went ten and six and they actually missed the playoffs. Yeah. So he, that team went ten and six. This guy was succeeding with a team that I had said that they had the worst roster in NFL history at one point. Like we've seen 0 and 16 Lions teams. We've seen 0 and 16 teams happen before. We've seen an 0 and 16 Cleveland Browns team. I looked at this roster. I was like, this might be worse than those teams. And they went 10 and six. Damn. He, he never made the playoffs. I didn't realize that. 
Did he not? I thought he. I thought they made it one year, but I guess if they went ten and six and missed, that was the year I thought they made it. Yeah, they were eliminated from playoff for the fourth consecutive season. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, he's definitely a guy that is. I wouldn't say it's hard to put him top ten without making the playoffs, but there's there's no coach in my recent memory that has done more with less. I'll tell you that much. I I said the cuss for a reason. Like he might be like eleven, twelve. I mean, I don't know. He, definitely he's, top fifteen. He's definitely, definitely top, top fifteen. Half. He's top half of the league for sure. But for yeah, he might sure. he, he might be on the outside looking in. But yeah, if you have a Sean McVay, a Kyle Shanahan, uh, I would even put Sean McDermott in that category now. I think we'll see a big test for him when. Now that without uh, his OC. yeah, now without his OC, David uh, Brian Dayball, there it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that'll be a good test to see how good of a coach he actually is. But yeah, I think if you have you know Sean Payton just retired, but you know yeah, Bill Belichick, someone of that that caliber, John Harbaugh, I I don't think you move on. I think you got to keep him for as long as humanly possible. Yeah, but agreed. moving on. Before we get into our headlines this week, obviously we have a lot of headlines coming up with obviously the coaching carousel continuing and some breaking news that has also happened within the last couple of days. Before we get there, want to take a quick second to talk about Euphoria. If I can get to the right spot here. Euphoria is an American teen drama television series created and written by Sam Levinson for HBO. The series premiered on June 16th, 2019. In July of 2019, it was renewed for a second season, preceded by two one-hour special broadcasts in December of 2020 and January of 2021, and the second season premiered on January 9th of 2022. The series follows a group of high school students through their experiences of identity, trauma, drugs, friendships, love, and sex. It stars Zendaya in the lead role alongside an ensemble cast consisting of Maud Apto, Angus Cloud, and Eric Dane, and others. Since its debut, Euphoria has received critical acclaim with praise for its cinematography, story, score, performances of the cast, particularly Zendaya and Schaefer, and its approach to its mature subject matter. Though it was controversial for its nudity and sexual content, which some critics found excessive. The series received nominations for the British Academy Television Award for Best International Program and the TCA Award for Outstanding Achievement in Drama. For her performance, Zendaya won a Primetime Emmy Award and Satellite Award for Best Actress in a Drama Series. You can watch now on HBO Max with new episodes coming out every Sunday. Um, I haven't hopped on the Euphoria train yet. I know Shay has. Shay has got his brother on it and Bryce talked about it on what's streaming this week. So if you want to hear the full breakdown on it, make sure you go listen to what's streaming. Um, obviously what's streaming is out. Uh, we have a new episode of the mansion that's coming out here, or it should be out by now, actually by the time you listen to this. Um, also bold pin bros put out their second pilot this week. And obviously you got BDL coming out tomorrow on Friday. So all types of stuff. And if you want to hear euphoria, make sure you go hit, uh, What's streaming with Bryce Hirayama? He talked about it on that second pilot this week. So, I'm not a big show guy, but I've even heard of this show. I haven't watched it, but yeah. I've even heard of it. So that's how you know it's big, right? Yeah, like, Shay loves it. His brother watches it all the time. Bryce likes it. So it's definitely got the stamp, but I'm not a TV guy, to be honest with you. <laughs> Neither am I. I, uh, I go to work, hang out with my girlfriend and my son, and play video games. That is yeah. 
pretty pretty much the same thing. That is, hang, go to work, hang out with my wife, play video games. Yeah, and that is and that's that's pretty much it. Yeah, hundred percent with you on that one. So, into our headlines, just a quick one to tack in with our AFC title game. AJ Green congratulated the Bengals. That I, that stings so much for me as a guy in a Ravens fan that watched AJ Green absolutely torch Baltimore twice a year. Um, it was a big part of the two teams that won division titles for them and was part of the 14-2 Bengals with Andy Dalton. He leaves his first year outside of Cincinnati in his entire career. He goes to Arizona, has a great year. Cincinnati makes it Super Bowl. Tough. So are you talking about, did he like put something on social media? Or are you talking yeah, about the so, TikTok he made? So he reactivated his Instagram account. And he literally, he puts on his IG stories like, I just had to reactivate my Instagram account for this. But congratulations to the Bengals. You guys deserve this. I know y'all got some dogs out there rooting for you guys in the Super Bowl or something like that. Mm-hmm. And um, obviously, it's good to see former players show love, but it's it stings. I feel like it's got to sting. Like, because he wrote out some rough years. Like, as much as there was the 14 and 2 year of Danny Dalton, there were some some 4 and 12s in there as well. Even that 14 and 2 year, they didn't win a playoff game. Like, yeah. imagine having all that hype and still losing. Like, yeah, exactly. like, no doubt. So, he, he, he weathered the storm and since he weathered a lot of injuries in Cincinnati. Obviously, playing in the AFC North is not an easy thing to do health wise as well as mentally. So, I, and then he leaves and he, and I, the grass was greener. All year, up until probably the last two weeks of the season. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty and the much. playoffs, obviously, as well, with Arizona's collapse and Cincinnati just keeps is red hot. Um, so it was good to see him show love, but I also I do feel for him missing out on the Super Bowl run with Cincinnati now. Hmm. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, yeah. I don't. I don't have much to say to that. I mean, yeah, there's, I don't, there's I don't so really much. Care. It's just kind of a it's your feel good moment, bittersweet moment of the week, I guess, is what yeah. I would call it. So, uh, Sean Payton officially. Yeah. I had to up. add this one in. We almost didn't talk about this cause we did. We, he retired after we recorded the show last week. So did he? okay. Like when you, I saw you add it and I was like, did we not talk about that? I guess that did happen the day I, afterwards. I'm, I'm like 90% sure it happened the day afterwards. Now I got to go back and look at the old script to make sure. But yeah, I don't, I don't, I, I'm 90% sure we didn't talk about it. Cause yeah, it happened the day after, um, what a career. Uh, oh no, we yeah. did talk about it. We hundred percent did talk about it. Now so, I'm remembering our conversation. Now I- the rumors are swirling around Dallas, obviously. Um, those Mike got Mc- shut down. Mike they- McCarthy. Yeah. Mike McCarthy was guaranteed next year. So well, he was guaranteed next year, but also Sean Payton's on contract with the saints next year. So they'd have to trade him. If, at that or, point. or he'd have to get released, but yeah, yeah we, but I we, believe his contract's up at the end of next year. And obviously we've seen Mike McCarthy come under fire, even for a division champ year. So, I mean, I wouldn't put it out of the realm of possibility that they would go after him next year after being away from head coaching for a year. Yeah. I mean, I mean, next year is still alive, but yeah, this year is confirmed. This year's dead. It's out and over, but yeah, we did talk about it last week. Cause we talked about, possible returns and whether you do tv and all that stuff but yeah we did we did talk about it so yeah ah this one stinks probably a little bit more for you than me but still it stinks um tom brady officially 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 official retires yeah posted his own instagram no sources to be had here no 
Nothing to get confused about. Tom Brady officially hanging up the cleats. Um, possibly, obviously, the return is always something that could happen. We'll talk about that a little bit later on. But I think the – I saw this, and it was a post today with all the stats and all the records he's broken, and the picture is just his face fa- uh, photoshopped onto Thanos with the Infinity Gauntlet. Mm-hmm. He retires with the most pass yards ever, the most pass TDs ever, most completions, playoff pass yards, playoff pass touchdowns, playoff completions, most wins by a quarterback, most playoff wins, most Super Bowl wins, most Super Bowl MVPs. He finally rests. The domination has happened. It is over. Tom Brady finally is stepping away from football. I I think the cool part about him is we don't have to have the discussion of is he a first ballot Hall of Famer because uh, he definitely is. It's more of is hot he the, is he hot take <laughs> hot take Brady's a first ballot Hall, the Hall of Famer. <laughs> I I think the bigger question there is is he the greatest athlete of all time because mm. I don't think there's any discussion if he's the greatest football player of all time because yeah. that that's long far gone. I mean, that man retired with more Super Bowls than any one franchise has. Than any fr- yeah, exactly. Which he has seven crazy. Super Bowls, which is crazy. The Six is the most, and that's San Francisco and New England, I believe. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, absolutely the best football player of all time. Um, I'm happy for him. I hope uh, I hope he finds whatever he's looking for in, in retirement. If that's spending time with his kids, I, I hope he gets to do more of that, but mm-hmm. I'm glad I get to pull out all my Tom Brady stuff. I will say that yeah. um, it is nice to not have to root for whoever the bucks play every single week. So yeah. that'll also be a nice relief for me. Um, but leaving the Patriots out of the, the goodbye letter is, is something people are talking about. Um, I think Colin Cowherd did an interesting segment on it today. For those of you who didn't listen, he was like, oh, he already wrote a goodbye letter when he left there. And, you know, there'll be plenty of time to reflect. I think I think the biggest thing that he said is if Tom Brady does a Hall of Fame speech and he doesn't mention the Patriots, then it's a big deal. Then we can right? talk. And, and again, yeah, he didn't mention him in the, in the goodbye letter. And then three hours later, it was announced he's going to sign a one-day contract and retire a Patriot, which is – Oh, that would be really? the thing. Yes. So that's official. Oh. That's supposed to be happening this week. Okay. So if that didn't happen, that would bug me. If he's like, yeah, I'm retiring a Buccaneer. I'd be like, that's horseshit. <laughs> like, Is that, that real? Is that I, like... I believe I read that in an official report today. Uh, if he's signing a one-day contract, I didn't, I didn't see that. If he's signing a one-day contract to be a Patriot, then I think that forgives that. This story is dead. Oh, oh just kidding. It's false. God damn it. Oh, it is false. Okay. That's I'm glad we caught that. Oh, I, yeah, I, I'm glad we checked. Is a false a report suggesting? Yeah, it's false. Okay. Huh. Well, if that does become legit, that changes everything. I, I agree, like. yeah. Um. I mean, I, I get the slight resentment he has. I'm sure New England was not a, a cheery, joyful place to come into work every day. Um, yeah. It did make him the best athlete of all time. So, and, I, and like I said, there's 
there's still a possibility of that happening. And also, I was talking about this with Shane and Sam. Like, we don't know the full story of what happened when he left. Right. Like, we yeah. knew that there was tension and he wasn't getting along with Bill and he wasn't getting along with Robert Kraft. And the trio of them was just all types of dysfunctional. So we don't we don't know the extent of all that that happened at this point as well. So that's also something to consider. I, I do mean, feel bad for Patriots fans because they're going to get caught in the crossfire of it, you know, getting left out and stuff. Because, I mean, obviously the fans did nothing wrong. You know, there's right. something that Patriots fans could have done about it. But I would like to say this. Tom Brady retires this week, and he retires a liar in my book. Um, Why? Because in 2014, which again, take this into perspective, 2014, six, almost seven years ago now, 2014, Tom Brady came out amidst everybody's like, when is he going to retire? You know, he's 37 years old at this point, 36, mm-hmm. which at the time, these quarterbacks of this generation, the Phillip Rivers, Big Ben, Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, these guys have been able to stretch their QBs, their, their careers out to 37, 38, 39. Um, but beforehand, I feel like 36, you were like, that guy is ancient at QB. Like 36 was yeah, a dead was, cutoff, I feel like. It was old at that time. Beforehand, time. before this – now, this era of quarterbacks have stretched that out to probably around 40. At 37, they're like, when's Brady going to retire? This and that. And this was, a, this was a year before Peyton Manning retired. And Tom Brady said, I'll retire when I suck. He's like – I'll, I'll hang it up when I feel like I'm not playing good football anymore. And he's hanging it up, and he led the league in pass yards and touchdowns this year. So, I, I mean, I'll, I'll you say this. You don't suck, Tom, and you're retiring. So that things, makes you a liar. Things things change, right? Like, priorities become different. He's got, he's got some kids that are going to be older, you know. Mm-hmm. They're getting to that age where, you know, maybe in five years they don't want to spend time with his dad. Because, yeah, at this True. rate, Dude might be able to play for another like three or four years. So yeah, hundred percent. It's probably easy to say that at thirty six, like I'll play when I'm bad, because he probably thought he'd be bad at forty two. Yeah, I I think that's the thing that is so crazy to look at is that Tom was like, "I'll retire when I suck," and then seven years later, he's like, "Am I ever gonna suck?" (laughs) Right. Like I I feel like I have to hang it up at this point because if I play until I suck, I might play until I'm fifty. Right. Like yeah. Like it's not like. When he played at 40, people are like, oh, 45 is impossible. Like, if he played next year, it would be very legit. Like, he would probably oh, yeah. like, he'd have the, a very good chance of still being a top 10 quarterback in the NFL. The retirement rumors, insane. the retirement rumors really didn't ramp until two weeks ago. Until right. the Rams lost. Like, they, it had been talked about. And obviously, it's always a rumor when you ask the age of 40. But, like, they didn't gear up until the press conference after the Rams game. Right. Then they retired. Like, up until two weeks ago, I was like, well, they'll be back next year. Brady's still going to be the quarterback, so it doesn't matter. And, obviously, that's changed now, but that would that's a very recent change, though. So, obviously, the greatest football player of all time, the greatest quarterback of all time. The, I mean, he has more rings than any franchise in NFL history. Crazy. Not not much more that you have to say. And you're like, yeah. well, everybody's like, and I'm I'm one of them. I don't like. I think Tom Brady's the greatest quarterback of all time. And I think it has little to nothing to do with Super Bowls. Dude owns every statistical record in the book. I've always been more of a stats than a win guy, especially when it comes to football. But the wins are just the icing on the cake. Like it's I I mean that's completely backwards to me. I think football is one of the few sports that wins should matter more than stats. But I mean. 
even if you look at just the longevity, you know what I mean? To play for that long. It, I think that's the thing for Brady is that he has all three. Right. Yeah. He, he's kind of got all three wrapped up, but like big Ben retired. Big Ben was drafted in 2004. Tom Brady was drafted in the 2000 draft class. Like yeah. he was drafted four years earlier and they retired the same year. Like that's yeah. insane. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you want to hang it on longevity? You can. It's like everyone always has a knock on their career. They're like, well, you put up great numbers, but you didn't win a lot of Super Bowls, a lot of Brees. Okay, well, you put up great numbers and you had the longevity, but you – or I guess the numbers in the longevity would be Philip with no Super Bowls would be Philip Rivers or an Eli. Right. Or I guess Eli won too. Philip Rivers. They're like you had the great numbers and you won, but you didn't play long enough. And I couldn't tell you who the example of that is because, like I said, all these QBs that have just retired in the last three or four years all played until 38, 39. Well, here, here's the thing. Like, to be to, to be a – I'm trying to – what am I trying to say here? To be an all-time great, you have to play a long time. Like, nobody yeah. gets into that category of, like, oh, are they an all-time – like, Andrew Luck poten- had the potential and retired early, but he is not going to – he probably won't even be a Hall of Famer. Yeah, there's a lot of people that said that – like Patty's already like a top five quarterback of all time. I think, I think you could, it's an interesting argument. I mean, he's got one Super Bowl and been in two, so that's impressive, but yeah. And four ASC title games. Yeah. Like, I think, um, I think that's interesting. It's, I don't know. It's, I don't know if it's true, but it's interesting. It's an argument to be had. Uh, I think not in my mind. And if get this part is all subject, I think he's the most talented quarterback that's ever touched a football field. Oh, that's crazy. It but, is crazy. I mean, and you could say, like I said, that's more of an opinion-based thing. Who's the most talented of all time? Okay. I mean, what's your definition of talent, you know? But you're right. You don't eclipse into that category easily without playing a long time. I mean, just look at Aaron Rodgers' career. Aaron Rodgers has been to one Super Bowl and won one Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And all the talent and, all you know, all of this stuff. And, I mean, Tom Brady has been – Tom Brady has lost more Super Bowls than Aaron Rodgers has been to. Like that's just nuts. Yeah. yeah, and and you can go down the list. Of, Holmes has done that, <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean he's Tom, lost the same amount as Rodgers has won. No, Tom Brady's lost four Super Bowls. Aaron Rodgers. Oh, Patty, you're saying yeah. okay. Sorry. In in four years, Patrick Holmes has been to more Super Bowls than Aaron Rodgers has in. Yeah. What twelve? And I mean, even look at like Peyton Manning, who's someone you would consider probably a top three, top five quarterback of all time. He appeared in three Super Bowls and won two. Or, or he, no, he appeared no. in four, won two. He, yeah, now now you got me questioning myself. Because he won one in Indy. Yeah. And he appeared in two with Indy. And then he, he, he appeared won, in two with Denver. And won, and won two. Yeah, he did win two, didn't he? So yeah, Tom Brady has lost four Super Bowls and Peyton Manning's been to four Super Bowls. Like that's still nuts. You know that's what I mean? Insanity, yeah, hundred percent. So absolutely insane. Not much you need to. I mean, I know we ranted for 10, 15 minutes about it. Yeah, but... probably longer than everyone. Everyone's probably like, okay, we're tired of hearing everyone under the sun talk about this. So we'll Listen, uh... get used to it. like you can you you have the next four was it five years off. 2027, he'll be a first ballot Hall of Famer, and we can all talk about it again. So yeah, then it'll be yeah, we'll talk about it again if he makes it. Of course, we'll yeah. have to see. 
Um, Brian Flores obviously was part of the coaching carousel this offseason. We talked a lot about him being a top, if not the top coaching candidate this offseason, has filed a class action lawsuit against the NFL and three NFL teams for how they've handled their interview processes. Um, so the lawsuit obviously is going to stretch the NFL because they are, they are the conglomerate that is over the 32 teams and the three teams that are suing as well. Um, he's suing Miami um, for kind of felt like they were, he was a scapegoat in Miami. There was, there's multiple things that happened to Miami, obviously the three years he was there, their GM tried to pay him to tank, um, which he refused. And then the GM or it was the owner, the owner, tried to pay him $100,000 a game that they would lose on purpose, um, which he refused and went out and won, went 10 and six, I think. Or I think that was the year before when they were trying to get to a... Um, and then the, geo, the the owner was mad afterwards when he didn't tank and it hurt their draft position. And then also there was reports that uh, he... his the owner tried to basically was encouraging him to break the tampering rules, the NFL um, to with a high level quarterback, which the quarterback was never named at all, but the, you know, to the point where he kept turning it down to the point where he, the owner, Stephen Ross, I believe is his name, invited Brian Flores onto his yacht and asked him was like, Hey, come on the boat and everything. And, just so happens that that high profile quarterback in question was on the boat as well. Tried to get him to tamper all this, all this. And Dave, you know, Flores turned him down, turned him down. And finally to the point where he felt like he just had to leave because he was not going to do this. Um, So there's a lot of issues in Miami. I'm scratching the surface, but those are the two big things that we've heard the most about so far. Um, And then obviously with, with uh, New York, there was text from Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick meant to text Brian Dable to congratulate him about the Giants job, which he accidentally texted Flores. So uh, Flores basically had an interview on Thursday, two, two days beforehand. He found out that Dable was basically already been picked for the job and the Bills were just, you know, going to bring him in for an interview just to cover the Rooney rule. So they mm-hmm. felt like he was just the token black head coach that they were going to interview and uh, move on with the process and just hire Dable anyways. And then you roll around to Denver, which that stems back to 2019. So in 2019, he had an interview for their job before they hired Vic Vangio. And his report was they showed up like three hours late to his interview. It looked like they had been out drinking the night before. um, And the interview was just very... Let me – I have the, the statement pulled up from the okay. Broncos. Yeah, pull the Denver one up because that one's really – I have it up. I'm ready. Okay, bring it on. Okay. Lay the Denver right. one on me. Denver Broncos statement, Brian lawsuit, begin quote. The allegations from Brian Flores directed towards the Denver Broncos in today's court findings are blatantly false. Our interview with Mr. Flores regarding our head coaching position began promptly at the scheduled time of 7.30 a.m. on January 5th, 2019 in a Providence – Rhode Island hotel. There were five Broncos executives present for the interview, which lasted approximately three and a half hours, the fully allotted time. 
and concluded shortly before 11 a.m. Pages of detailed notes, analysts, evaluations from our interviews demonstrated the depth of our conversations and sincere interest in Mr. Flores as a head coaching candidate. Our process was thorough and fair to determine the most qualified candidate for the head coaching position. The Broncos will vigorously defend the integrity and the values of our organization and its employees, and from such baseless and disparaging claims, end quote. Yeah, so the Broncos fired back pretty quick, which obviously if if a guy's going to take you to court and come out with these claims saying that John Elway, who is obviously a very respected member of that front office and that franchise, giving his playing career, was one of those execs that showed up late, hungover, and just kind of was nonchalantly kind of just doing the interview to, again, cover the Rooney rule for them in that offseason. Definitely something that they're going to fire back at quick. So this, there's a lot of layers to this. And yeah. the Denver one, I think, is where it's going to get chippy because – those are yeah, they, two pretty different reports that each side is giving. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll say a couple of things here that I hope comes out of this. I mean, we we talked about it. I can't remember if it was last week or a couple of weeks ago. We talked about how we had to fix diversity in head coachings, and I yeah. kind of gave my thoughts of how to fix it. So one one thing I hope comes out of this is change because it's long overdue. Um, it's something that I've been passionate about, and I, there's a reason I talked about it long before this came up or anyone else was talking about it because it's blaring and it's bad. Um, The second thing I hope happens out of this is Brian Flores doesn't get blackballed from the NFL. Like he, he deserves to another chance of being a head coach. What that man has done with the talent that he had on the field is pretty, pretty impressive. He deserves a chance to be a head coach in the NFL. So I hope that, this doesn't turn into a Colin Kaepernick situation where he doesn't get another chance because he deserves another chance. He really does. hundred percent. Like we, I mean, we've talked about this before all this happened. Like this guy is a top coaching candidate and a guy that should be a top three candidate for any head coaching spot that was open going into the off season. And I don't, to me, like, obviously it's going to change it for a lot of NFL teams. It shouldn't, in my opinion, if anything, Again, and this is one of those things where it's, it gets really tricky because you are a team that is underneath the conglomerate that is the NFL and Roger Goodell is the commissioner. But we're talking about diversity in the NFL and a player base that is made up so much of African-American players and minority players, but is not represented in the head coaching. Brian Flores just became probably the number one player's coach on the market and off the market at this point. I mean, yeah. He is quite literally jumped right up there with Mike Tomlin or any other players coach you want to put in the in the conversation of guys that players just want to play for. Brian Flores has immediately interjected himself into the top five because of who what rights is he fighting for? A majority of the player base that he's going to be coaching at one point. Right. You know? So I wouldn't say that this strengthens his head coaching candidacy because it is a lot of noise that you're gonna have to deal with but like i said there's i mean if you walked into any locker room in the nfl today and said would you rather play for jim harbaugh i'll throw heavy hitters in jim harbaugh doug peterson or brian flores i guarantee you you'll get a solid majority that says they would much rather play for brian flores than anybody else in the league right now i i think that's an interesting argument there i don't yeah I think I think there's an argument to be had for sure. I think it's a conversation. I don't yeah. know. I don't know about Jim Harbaugh. 
It's but. tough. That one's like I said. That's that's. I'm throwing heavy hitters in there, but I really Any, do. Anytime think that, you say a coach with a Super Bowl that has that resume, I feel like it's a different level of respect. It is, but again, like I said, the uh, the the guys that are gonna that make up a majority of the NFL are the guys that Brian Flores is fighting for. This for and I again, agree. yeah. And I think you hit the nail on the head a week ago or two weeks ago, whenever we talked about it, and. I read this ESPN headline, Brian Flores' lawsuit shines a brutal light on the NFL's hiring practices. The sub-headline, I swear you could have wrote it yourself two weeks ago when we talked about this. It's not that the playing field isn't level for black assistant coaches. It's that the black assistant, black assistants aren't even on the field. Right. Yeah, there's, that's there's, the problem. They don't exist. Yeah, there's, there's a- seldom to pick from. It's That's the biggest problem, and it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy to me. I don't. Agreed. I don't understand it. Yeah. So I think it'll be interesting to kind of see what goes, what happens with this going forward. Obviously, there's going to be a lot of news coming out. There's going to be weeks where we have a lot on this. There's going to be weeks where we're going to talk about it, even though there's really not a lot happening with it because yeah. it's just it's going to be in the news for until it's resolved. Um, I'm curious to see if he is going to look for any. Um, help from other coaches that have felt that they've been kind of railroaded by the system. I think Jim Caldwell would be a guy that could be part of this case that felt like maybe he was kind of shafted when he was in Detroit. I think David Coley in the Texans, 110% is a guy that could be like, I feel the same way. I feel like this happened to me as well, you know, with the reason I was fired from Houston. So, I don't know. It's definitely going to be a hot button topic for a lot of people to talk about. And I'm, I'm excited to see what happens because I think both of us are ready for change. Yes, I agree. Um, let's talk about some coaches who were hired here and uh, kind of our initial reaction to this. Mm-hmm. Who's up first? What do we got? Uh, let's talk about the bears hiring Matt Eberflus. Mm-hmm. Um, I think by honestly, I, I, Honestly, God, my first thought was, why not Brian Flores? <laughs> like, because um, he was the DC in Jacksonville, wasn't he? he or Jacksonville, Indy. Indy, yes, yes. He was so, the DC for Indy. So, like, when I, when I look at Chicago's roster, and I remember we talked about the best fits, I was like, if you have any type of a solid, even top 20, not even top half, top 25 defense, Brian Flores is going to make that defense top 15, top 10. Right and away. so, like, yeah. this was a team that was – I was like, yes, Brian Flores. I was like, he has a young quarterback. You don't have to deal with any of that stuff. You develop his young quarterback going forward. He has a great defense. You build, you build. That team is scary going forward, especially with a possible Aaron Rodgers departure. So, Everflu's coming in. I'm like, why not Brian Flores? But um, a lot of people are saying that this is a guy that uh, – in Everflu's that is very passionate about the work that he does – on the field and in, in the film room and developing players and all these things. And that's kind of what the bears are banking on developing Justin Fields going forward. I'll say, I have a couple of thoughts on this hire. Um, one, I, I, I think he comes from a good culture and I, and I do still believe in hiring coaches that come from, you know, good culture and good success rate, right? Like, yeah, not just hiring guys that have a really hot one year as a coordinator, but come from places that, you know, have a winning culture. So I I think that's a good step in the right direction for the bears. Now, this was a bears hire for a couple of reasons. 
every team that made the playoffs in the NFC had an offensive minded coach. So what do the bears do? They go out and hire a defensive coach, of course, Mm -hmm. and they don't even hire the hottest one on the market. So exactly. That's a very bears move. The other thing that I don't love already from this is apparently Joe Brady is interviewing to be on the bears staff. Also, what a, what a bad fit like for Joe Brady to join this offensive staff. I love Joe Brady, but that is not the kind of guy I want developing a Justin Fields. Like I would much rather have him with a Trevor Lawrence than a Justin Fields, you know? Why is um, that? Cause Joe Brady's most, the biggest success that he's had is coming from uh Joe Burrow style offense, right? Mm-hmm. Somebody with a bigger arm, uh, accuracy you know wants to push the ball down the field rhythm and timing exactly exactly field general type quarterback yeah more so than a fields who's going to be more of an improviser or scrambler qb Mm -hmm. so and they let him go in carolina because he wasn't able to adapt to cam newton being the quarterback so i it, it just this feels like the most chicago hire ever so you don't get the top defensive guy you don't get an offensive guy. And now you're going to bring on some offensive staff. That doesn't make sense. I, I genuinely feel bad for bears fans at this point. Cause they feel like they feel like one of those franchises now where it's like every year it's like, they I almost feel Cleveland esque with more success than Cleveland though. Yeah. Um, I think their fan base is more delusional than most fan bases are. I would agree with you. Cause Cleveland, they learned to just live with the despair after a while. Um, they've been a little delusional recently more than anything, but Baker Mayfield has brought that delusion right back down to earth pretty quickly. So, and, and the other thing I'll say that scares me slightly with Eberflus is he's never been a head coach ever. He's only been a coordinator or in a positions coach. And that's going all the way to his college days to, in the NFL. He's never been, he's never been the guy. Um, and that sounds kind of dumb, but I mean, you really want, you know, at least be a high school head coach for a little bit or something, yeah, you know, you want, you want some type of established guy when you're looking to lead a rookie quarterback or a second year quarterback, a young quarterback. Right. Now, if this is a team. If this is like Pittsburgh, like if Pittsburgh's job was open, they don't really have a QB going forward. This is, I'm like, okay, as much as it sucks, like, if I've got the young quarterback in house, I don't really have time to be like, okay, well, we'll risk it with this coach, you know? Right. Because if Eberflus doesn't pan out, we're looking at Justin Fields having three head coaches before his rookie head coach, before his rookie contract is up, you know? Well, and and here's the other thing is let's say Eberflus does a great job, hires the right offensive coordinator. Let's say it's Joe Brady. Joe Brady could very well go out next year and get a head coaching job, and now you've lost your offensive guy that – is going to help develop Justin Fields. That's the thing I don't like the most about this. So I'm actually, I think it was announced just early. I think it was a day or two ago. They've actually hired the uh, Packers QB coach as their OC. OC. Okay. But uh, Luke Getze. So maybe Joe Brady's interviewing for, you know, another coordinators. Yeah. Something like that. But yeah, you get my point of if let's say that guy goes out and crushes it. And then he can go out and get a head coaching job like that, right? Because offensive guys will always be hot. Yeah. It's a lot easier to hold on to a DC than it is an OC, I think, in today's day and age. 
Yes, absolutely. Because everybody's always looking for the next Sean McVay. Nobody's looking for the next Vic Fangio, Brian Flores, or Matt yeah. Eberflos. Except for the Bears, apparently. So, here we are. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you have any so, more thoughts on that? No, uh, okay. not, not really. I mean, I do like that, you know, Indy's defense hasn't, isn't like a one hit wonder kind of defense. They've been solid for a couple of years. They've been reliable. And um, I'm curious to see what they kind of do without what he's able to do on the defensive side of the ball without a superstar in the middle. Obviously he has Khalil Mack off the edge. They have a lot of talent on that Bears defense. But DeForest Buckner was a huge part of their uptick in Indy as well. So I'm curious to see what he does without that that all-pro interior defensive lineman going forward. But they definitely saw some solid guys in Akeem Hicks and Eddie Goldman. So they've yeah. got the solid guys. They just don't have DeForest Buckner. So I'm curious to see what he does on the defensive front. It'll, it'll be interesting for sure. Um, next hire we have is Nathaniel Hackett for the Denver Broncos. Um, the OC from Green Bay. Yeah. I think we need to talk about the obvious here. Yeah. Address the elephant in the room here. I think this is a move that you go out and do to bring in Aaron Rodgers. And that's not a hot take or a new take. Everyone's saying that, right? Like this is, I'm pretty sure there was a report that came out that was like Rodgers would be much more open to a Denver trade if they had somebody from Green Bay on roster or on staff. And then like three days later, they're like, yeah, Nathaniel Hackett's our uh, head coach going forward. Yeah. I feel like this is one of those moves where they're doing this move in order to try to get Aaron Rodgers. Uh, that's the only scenario I, I see, you know, I, I'm not saying Nathaniel Hackett. I mean, he's had one of the top three offenses in the league mm-hmm. um, the last couple of years. So yep. there's no, no doubt that the guy can coach offense. So I, I like it. He's been the coordinator since 2019. So he's done a great job. Uh, this feels like, this feels like a move that they're trying to get. They're trying, they're trying to bring him in. So um, yeah, I, it's one of those things where I like Aaron Rodgers wasn't on the he's actually a Syracuse guy. So oh, fair enough. Uh, was a coach with us. I think when Doug Marone was there, I could be, could be wrong that he wasn't the head coach that, that point, but pretty sure. Um, so I, I, I don't hate this hire at all. Um, I think this hire even works if you go out and get a young guy, right? Like, there's no better way to develop a young quarterback than with an offensive minded guy. And especially a guy that they're going to have respect for because he had one of the league's best offenses with Aaron Rodgers in it. So I I think it's a great hire. I feel like it's hard for any rookie to come in and just kind of disregard their head coach, especially if their head coach was the OC for a top five, top 10 quarterback of all time in Aaron Rodgers, And one of the most successful guys, in the last five years in Aaron Rodgers as well. I'm, I mean, there's, there's a certain level of respect that comes with it is the difference, you know? So I, I think that that only helps the case, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, all right. To the big apple, to the big apple, Brian Dayball, um, bing bong, the giant center coach. Yeah. I, again, a really solid hire. Uh, the problem is, is, Daniel Jones staying or not, I think makes the difference for me. That's a huge question mark. Their GM and their owners, like we're hundred percent committed to Daniel going forward, but obviously Dable has to be on that same boat to a certain degree, at least to take the job in the first place. I would, I would imagine if I'm sure it, they might be saying that now this could very well be a Josh Rosen 
Josh Rosen. Rosen. Yeah. There it is. Jeez. Yeah. Josh um, Rosen's our guy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's our later. guy. And then two weeks later, he gets traded. Or, you Kyler know, Murray, draft, one, number one overall. Number one pick. So I, I, I don't know how much I believe it, honestly. If I'm Brian Dayball, I don't know if I take the job if going in knowing that Daniel Jones is going to be my QB, right? If they're like, hundred, yeah, like which, like I would take a job if Daniel, they're like Daniel Jones. We want Daniel Jones to be your quarterback. I'd be like, okay, I'd be a little tentative, but I would probably still take it. Now, if I go into an interview and they're like, listen, no one is starting under center except for Daniel. Like, there's no if, ands, or buts. Barring right. injury, Daniel Jones is your starting QB. I'd be like, okay, maybe not. You know, maybe not. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see. I mean, definitely going to be something to watch going forward because we've seen that switch up happen and we've seen it happen in recent history. I'm, I'm curious to see what it would take for Daniel Jones this season for him to get a contract. I really am. Yeah. That'd be like we said, he had a decent year last year. Honestly, he was okay for the first half. He was statistically was solid for the first eight weeks, but statistics aren't everything. When it no. comes to contract negotiations, so, but yeah, I I like it. I like the lineup with you know having a a guy from Buffalo as GM and, and a head coach coming from it. I think Dayball deserved a head coaching job too. I think this yeah, is a guy who's earned it the most and ha- now has a rep building young quarterbacks up. So yeah, and hopefully th- he can get creative and they can get use out of Kadarius Tony and Kenny Galladay going forward. So yeah. they have pieces there. It's just about making it work and not crumbling to the New York pressure. Yes. Which that'll is be the a lot thing. easier said than done. Yeah. I think it's predicated. I think this is really going to come down to, so if Daniel Jones, isn't the guy is Brian Dayball going to live that. And if he does, I think it could be a great hire. I really do. So we'll see. Um, but no, I think overall, I would say a good hire, a really good hire. Um, Raiders hiring Josh McDaniels. Uh, let me, let me start here. The caveat mm -hmm. and take this as a joke. If you want to, Given his recent history, I feel like it, you know, maybe it has some stock. The other three coaches we've talked about are all listed in ESPN's transaction report, the NFL, like the, the giants announced Brian Dable. Maybe it's because they haven't officially announced like done a press conference or anything. They have, but see, that worries me, man. Josh McDaniels is the only head coach that's been hired that isn't on the transaction report. So maybe he still has time to back out of it. He did a press conference. Did he? Yeah. Well, who knows, man? It's something's fishy. And we've seen the guy back out of head coaching deals before. Whatever the circumstances were at the time, or whatever they are this time, if it happens again. I don't know, man. It's a little fishy. That's all I'm saying. Especially since the Raiders' new GM was announced and is on the transaction log, but McDaniels isn't. Yeah, McDaniels did a press conference, yeah. Yeah, with the Raiders' background and everything. So, yeah, he he's done one. So. Who knows, man? All I'm saying is, I mean, it's more of a joke than anything, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah. Weird. I I have a couple of thoughts. I'm glad I'm glad he got a second shot because I think he again probably deserved one. He probably wasn't ready when he got hired in Denver. Um, couple of things. I'll give a warning to Raiders fans. One, be prepared to be upset because there were times this season where I was about to throw my controller at the TV because of just the play calling by Josh McDaniels. You're just, um, you're watching the Patriots play and you're like, I'm going to put my PS4 controller to this TV. Like Mac Jones was playing Madden. crushing it on third down and it'd be a fourth and one in a big game and they would punt. And I was like, what is he doing? Yeah. And, 
there were a couple times where he would call. He loves those goddamn pitches and the outside runs way more than I think anyone else does in the NFL. And I'd just be like, this is not working. Why have we run three of these tonight? Like, what I'll is tell happening? You what, with Josh Jacobs, I don't know if that play call is solid. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely more of an inside the tackles runners. But, I mean, if you bring Kenya Drake in, hey, man, all power to you. That's a, a dangerous one, too. The, they just line up in eye form. Every single run play, they just line up an eye form with Jacobs at fullback. And if right. it's an inside the tackles run, it's a fullback dive to Josh Jacobs. And if it's a pitch, it's a pitch to the outside to Drake. Easy. That's a that's a very Madden. <laughs> that is it is play. a very Madden thing to do. I I I will say I think this is a good setup for him. So I think you know I think Derek Carr will work well with him. I think you know there's similarities in in Derek Carr's play style versus Tom Brady's. Um, I think there's enough unique weapons that McDaniels is going to be used to, to be able to make work. Uh, obviously they need wide receiver help, right? Like Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller are not going to be able to carry that wide, that the receiving core going forward. Um, I like him as pieces, but yes, very good pieces, but they need to add that extra element. Um, I, I think a lot of things make sense here. I thought McDaniels would get one of the more established jobs, so either Minnesota or Las Vegas. Um, so I, I I I like the hire overall. I really do. I don't know. I don't know what the potential is. I don't. I, I think it. They need more pieces on offense for sure, without any yeah. question. Um, I mean that offensive line is solid. They have, you know, good running back core. It's really really comes down to the wide receivers and defense. I think that, if they add add one more receiver and they hold on to one of their expiring receivers, I feel like they'd be okay. Like I like Renfro a lot. I like Waller. If they were to bring back Deshaun Jackson or Zay Jones. Obviously they'll still have Brian Edwards. He's on a rookie contract. But you bring back Zay Jones or Deshaun Jackson and then add another spark. Mm-hmm. I feel like they're another weapon. I think another they could be really just one, and it doesn't have to be a number one. Like obviously, if you can get Devonte Adams to come play with Derek Carr, hell f and yeah, I'll take it. You know, but I mean, they don't they don't need to break it open. Yeah, but it, obviously, it, if you can, why not? Right? You know. Yeah, well, and he, and he'll be he'll be good enough. You know to to kind of piece piece an offense together with what they have. So I I overall I like the hire again. I mean. There's very few hires we're going to come out and say we don't like. I mean, Eberflus would probably be the only one so far that I'm like, man, I don't doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Again, when I look at all four of these, the only thing I don't like about all four of them is that, again, in the 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 lawsuit changes everything. But the thing, the four things I don't like about these four hires is why not Flores first? Like, yeah. What what made you choose? Like for the Bears, what made you choose the second best defensive head coach on the market instead of the best? For the Broncos, we understand that one. That was more of an Aaron Rodgers move. But again, I tell you, man, Brian Flores and that Denver defense would have been something serious. So that one feels like more of an A-Rod move, which makes sense. The Giants, again, it makes sense that the Giants defense would have definitely taken an uptick, but I don't think they would have been top 10 probably. But also, and I get, you know, when you find your guy, you find your guy, but we're not even going to interview Brian Flores. We're just stables the guy before we even talk to Brian Flores. That was, right. that's an issue to me. I feel like you got to look at all options because even if Dable's an A minus, maybe Flores is an A plus and you kind of decided before you interviewed him, which is an issue. So, and then the Raiders, that one obviously is a little bit, that one's weirder. That one just happened. 
And it was it was weird to me because McDaniels, like we talked about all these head coaching vacancies, and not once did McDaniels kind of pop up on the radar on any of them. Um, right. Obviously, it was kind of known given his history as a head coach, and he was in the carousel and then wasn't, you know, that it was a possibility. But I feel like it all kind of came out of the blue, at least to me. Um, I don't it, know, maybe in the Pats world, you kind of knew it was coming, but I, yeah, I, I definitely didn't see it. He's always rumored because he's such an attractive candidate because he's been with Bill Belichick for so long. You know, yeah. there's such a tie-in, and he's one of those guys that – and it's weird to say that it's kind of rare that this happens, but it is where somebody leaves Belichick staff and then gets to come back. It it doesn't happen super frequently. Um, it's only happened a couple times. So the fact that he was able to do that, that he was able to leave for Denver, did one. So he was the Denver head coach for two seasons, went to St. Louis for a year and then came back. So that's that's the weird part for a lot of people I think that he struggles with is that, you know, that he was able to come back. So Bill Belichick clearly sees something in him as a coach, right? Like he wouldn't let him back in into it if he was like, man, that guy's awful. So um, just a lot of time in New England, a lot of success, uh, a really a good play caller, a solid play caller. Uh, sometimes overly sometimes sometimes it's questionable, you know. Uh, there's some been some plays in some Super Bowls. You're like, why did we call that? Why do we have Tom Brady out there catching footballs to try to win a Super Bowl? You know, little things like that that don't always make sense. But I think he did a great job with Mac Jones this year. Um, I I take that back. I think he did a good job, not a great job, but yeah, that's uh, it's an interesting hire. If I were them, I agree with you. I would have gone defense. I I would have. This is would have been a Brian Flores hire for me because I feel like the offense is there. We just got to make the defensive special. So. Yeah, hundred um, percent. Into our last headline, uh, it didn't take long. Obviously, the Niners just getting bounced from the playoffs on Sunday. Already came out that uh, the Niners are trying to work on a deal for Jimmy G to ship him out of town. He said, "As long as the team's hungry to win, I really don't care where I land at." Which mm-hmm. you can always respect as a as a fan or as a coach or as a player. Guy just wants to win. Um, he's done a decent job of it. He's got a Super Bowl appearance and two NFC title game appearances. So, I mean, he's definitely got a decent resume and a, a very, very solid transitional option. And if you've got a full roster built, I mean, he's what Jimmy G has proven this offseason in the Super Bowl run is that, like, if you're really a QB away, like, the, he could be the guy to get you there. Like, you'd obviously much rather have the Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun Watson, the the Tom Brady, you know, anybody else, the Russell Wilson that may be on the market or like there's much better quarterback options out there. But if you're a Denver and you miss out and you miss out and you miss out mm-hmm. and Jimmy G still available, like if you're a QB away, I would give it a shot with Jimmy G for a year because he's proven that. And again, what we say when you either need a top eight, top 10 QB or you need a decent QB and a really good run game and a really good tight end and solid weapons and a good O line and a top five head coach and a Hall of Fame defensive end, Hall of Fame linebacker. Right. Like, if you have all those things, then Jimmy G can get it done. And I wouldn't say Denver has checks all those boxes, but they check a decent majority of them, you know. So um, I, I feel like if you're a team that's really, and I feel like Denver is the perfect fit if there is one. I was about because, to say, even if you're thinking about drafting a young QB, I think I still go out and get Jimmy G because he's a yeah. great bridge quarterback. 
And obviously it depends on what the asking price is. And if you're looking for a bridge QB, I think you just ride with Teddy Bridgewater or right. Drew Locke and bridge that into your young guy if you're Denver. But if, you're, mean, if you don't like any of the guys that drafted and Aaron Rodgers stays put and Russell Wilson stays put and Deshaun Watson goes elsewhere. There's there's a lot of teams that I think could take a shot. That That's interesting to me. I think Tampa Bay now that like yeah. is Kyle. If they don't think Kyle Trask is ready to be their starting QB. Yeah. Um, I think Pittsburgh makes a lot of sense to a certain degree. I can see that. Um, yeah. Somebody's going to get left out. Um, from what everything that I've read about his trade value is, people think it's probably going to be a close to a Wentz value. Um, a second, maybe a third, somewhere in that ballpark is more than likely. You know, and maybe throw in whatever late round picks you want to talk about, like a yeah. seventh or whatever. But probably somewhere in that ballpark. I highly, highly doubt they get a first for him, though. I would agree. Yeah, it, it would have to be like Jimmy G in a in a fifth or you know a fourth or a fifth to get a first back. Oh yeah, uh, probably Jimmy G in a third to probably get a first back would yeah. be my guess. So Which... I I don't I don't think will happen. But yeah, yeah I think I think there's some interesting landing spots for him for sure that uh that'll be entertaining to say the least. So yeah. Anything else you want to talk about? No, man. Uh, like I said, I feel like it's the right move. You, it'd be different if you pick Trey Lance at twelve or at six, and you're like you could you could roll with Jimmy for another year and really give Lance the time to truly truly develop. But you gave up a lot of, to go up and get him. And like even if, like I said, the Niners go and win a Super Bowl this year, I still I may have given him another year, but the end goal is going to be Trey Lance starting. You gave up way too much to go get him. I, I like what they're doing. I think Shanahan found his guy and I'm curious to see what happens. And I'm curious to see where Jimmy G lands as well. Um, there's definitely some options out there, but the deal is going to be, I don't think we'll see the deal for a while just because we're going to have to see where the rest of the QBs land. Cause I don't think any team out there is going to go trade for Jimmy G without doing their due diligence on the other three that are going to be available. That are yeah. Better, I agree. You know? So um, and then also those guys could set the market as well. So that's another thing to watch um, is how the bigger trades would affect his market going forward. Um, before we get into pump the brakes, a quick word from calm. Calm is a software based company, a software company based in San Francisco, California. It produces meditation products, including guided meditations and sleep stories. They're the number one app for sleep, meditation, and relaxation with over 100 million downloads and over 1.5 million five-star reviews. They are Apple's Best of 2018 award winner, Apple's App of the Year in 2017, Google Play's Editor Choice of 2018, and to be named by the Center for Humane Technology as the world's happiest app. Sign up today and try Calm. Sign up today and try the Calm app today for free and channel your inner LeBron. So if you're having trouble sleeping or if you're trying to find that inner Zen, little little Zen master Phil Jackson action, uh, Calm is the app for you. So check it out on Google Play and the App Store now. Into Pump the Brakes. Still got a little bit of time here. Um, yeah, probably enough time for, for Pump the Brakes. Um, yeah, what, do you, what do you got for me this week? Uh, Tom Brady could come back after a year off. Uh you know what? Actually, I am going to pump the brakes here. 
obviously the the return is a hundred percent a possibility. We've seen plenty of guys um, hang it up and then come back. We saw Favre do it a couple times, and it's all. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, it's always a possibility when you look at guys that have dominated for so long. It's very hard for them to kind of step away to the, from the game and seamlessly go into retirement. I feel like Kobe Bryant was kind of the only one definitely in recent memory where he was able to kind of just hang it up and go full bore into the, that after career life and be perfectly fine with no hiccups. So it'll be interesting to kind of see what happens with it. But I feel like if, if he really had it left in him, he wouldn't have hung it up in the first place. I think Mm -hmm. because like this and it'd be different maybe if he was still in New England or if Tampa Bay wasn't so set to succeed, but like he sits this year and he tries to come back. You know, Tampa could have Aaron Rodgers at that point, which we'll talk about that possibility here in a little bit. Tampa could have you know Kyle Trask could be a Pro Bowler. They could have went after Jimmy G and he could have led them to another NFC title game. You know, like you don't know what's gonna happen or where you would land at if it's not in Tampa Bay at that point. So for him to have a Super Bowl window still with Tampa Bay and for him to hang that up, to me, that means that the family is ready for him to come home. He's ready to go home to his family, and he's going to be done. Yeah. Honestly. So. And and honestly, to tack along with that, um, I don't think you'll see him as a head coach of the NFL for a very long – it'll be 10-plus years, I think, uh- if it ever happens. I, I think I, I kind of I, I agree with all of what you said there, really, for the most part. I don't I don't think he'll come back after a year. I don't I don't think he'll have that urge. I think once he's done, he's going to be done. Um, And he's not at an age where it's like, oh, a year off will be good for him. Like, you know, he'll be no. 46 when he's coming back. That'd be crazy. Yeah, I um, wouldn't put it past him again. Don't. It's not impossible, but it's yeah, not likely. Yeah, it's not possible. It's not impossible, but it, it is improbable. And Tom Brady will do – he's one of those guys. He's going to do whatever he wants. Um, he's got a lot of businesses outside of football. So, like, money-wise, the guy's kind of set. So, he can yeah. he can really – he can focus on whatever he wants. But, yeah, I don't I don't see him coming back and wanting to coach right away. It would be a long time, I think, before we saw anything like that. And that's what everybody always asks. And um, people have asked me, like, if, if Kobe was still around, do you feel like he would have been a coach within – these first two years or maybe like the next five hell. No, I don't think so. Cause like, no. if you go into that scene, like the, the physical workload is a lot different, obviously for being a player and a head coach in the NBA or in the NFL, but the, the prep time and the, the time that you put in is also very different. And it's probably heavier for a head coach time wise. Well, like Co- Kobe was pursuing such other things. I mean, Kobe won an Emmy. I feel like that never gets talked about enough. Like Kobe was after other, other passions that he had, you know, I think he was, I think his heart and his mind were out of basketball. I think, um, to a level where he wouldn't want to come back and be a GM or a coach or anything like that. Yeah. I, I don't, obviously it's impossible to tell what he would have done, but I highly doubt that one. Just cause you, you know, you, you're so content in finally being able to be with your family and be away from football slash basketball, jumping into a head coaching spot or any coaching or front office spot is the same thing as going back and playing again. You know, like right. it's time away from your family time that you have to spend at home doing other things than being with your family. 
So I, I don't see him as a coach right away anytime soon either. I agree. Um, next one I got for you. OBJ is the best signing of the year. Do we have any any contenders that would even be up there for this at this point? Not in like... my opinion. Matthew Judon, maybe. Would be Yeah. Um, would, would be the only person who made the Pro Bowl that played for a different team last year that I know of off the top of my head. Yeah, I would think that this – and when you look at the money for it and kind of the midseason, I don't think there's any team that – anybody that could combat with this in my no. opinion. Um, AJ Green had a solid year, but it, it's – I think – it's not even and again, close. it's not even it's not even the numbers. The numbers have nothing to do with it. It's the the uptick in the production from the offense as a whole. He has made even when he's not catching passes, the Rams are better when he is on the field. Yeah. They're more dynamic. They it allows Cooper Cup to get open more often because beforehand Robert Woods went down. Or I guess there was never really a time where Woods was down and Odell wasn't there yet. It happened on the same day. Same day, yeah. He um, signed. Yeah. But, you know, Cup was able to, you know, you can't double team and completely take Cup out of a game with Odell on the other side, you know? Yeah. Um, and even if you tried, I Cooper Cup would find a way to get open, trust me. Um, I think he's proved that this year, that uh, number 10 is always open in blue and yellow. So, and uh, number three ain't half bad either. Yeah, I, I think it's like, I mean, a lot of people going into it probably would have said, you know, AJ Green and the Patriots signed a lot of players, or not AJ Green. Um, Julio Jones probably would have been pretty high up on that list for a lot of people. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, honestly, for signing him halfway through the season and the production they were able to get out of him and everything like that, I mean, truly kudos to the Rams, kudos to OBJ. Um, it's kind of becoming the place that like New England used to be. You used to go to New England to try to flip your image around and you know go sign a big contract if you're playing there. Rams might be that because Von Miller's come on recently too and played mm-hmm. pretty damn well. So I mean, he was second in the in the postseason in pressures behind his teammate Aaron Donald through the divisional round. I don't know where that sits at now with the championship round because I know Trace Hendrickson had himself a weekend in Kansas City, but yeah, they I both would, had really good seasons. It's it's been a good in season transaction for the Rams. Now, they got Matthew Stafford and. Think about how well this team has just rebuilt itself. So you trade for Matthew Stafford. You trade for Von Miller in the middle of the season. You sign OBJ in the middle of the season. Like, they just are bouncing off. Everything that comes their way, they just bounced off of. Cam Akers gets hurt, trade for Sony Michelle. Then Cam Akers comes back. And how crazy is it that a year to the date, January 30th in 2021, the LA Rams complete a trade and land Matthew Stafford as their quarterback for the next couple of years until he hangs it up. One year later to the day, January 30th, 2022, the Rams are headed to the Super Bowl off a, you know, off a game from Matthew Stafford in the NFC title and a, game. And a home Niners. and a home Super Bowl at that. Yeah. Agreed. In, in their new stadium. Like that's so cool. I love ridiculous, that. ridiculously amazing. And you talk about like how they've been able to rebuild. I, th- they have no options because the picks aren't there. The money's not there. They're going to have to win with what they've got. And somehow, despite being strapped for capital and cap space, they've still been able to add Von Miller and OBJ in the middle of the year after getting Stafford in the off season. Yeah. So the Rams have found a way to continue to buy despite having nothing to sell. 
Right. Yeah. That's been the impressive part to me. Good. Good for them. Agreed. Next one I got for you is the new age has come. This is the first Super Bowl that hasn't featured Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Ben Roethlisberger, or the 49ers. In what? How many years? Or what was the year point? I don't remember. I think it's like, I think it's, I think it's 20 years. That's wild. Um, yeah, 100%. I don't think there's really any debate to be had because, like, if this isn't the new age, then when is? Like, what, like, Aaron Rodgers is, and Russell Wilson are probably the only two quarterbacks that I wouldn't consider new age at this point of the high end guys. Right. Like, when I, when I sit here and try to think of all the quarterbacks that are starting across the league now, outside of those two guys at the high end, I don't know if there is anybody left at this point. Right. Um, maybe Stafford would be the other guy that I could think of. Um, but other than that, man, it's it's Joey B, Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson going forward. Yeah, this is – I think this is – it's fun because it's teams that are new, exciting. Even from the last time the Rams made a Super Bowl, they we've talked about all the moves they've made in season. I mean, their quarterback's different. Their number one wide receiver that year, I think, was Brandon Cooks. He's completely gone. So, like, even this Rams team is a complete revamp from where they were the last time they were here. I mean, yeah. the only consistency is really Sean McVay. So, um, good on them. And it, and it's fun, honestly. Pretty much outside of Kansas City, I think any matchup we got in the Super Bowl was going to be new and exciting. So, I think I think it's good. I think it's really healthy for the NFL to to kind of get this parody like we've been talking about this whole episode. I hundred percent agree with you. Couldn't agree with you more. All right, next one I got for you. Josh Allen is a top three QB in the league. Again, I mean, we kind of talked about this the old tier list system. Um, I know I, I talk about it and like, we got to be different. And then I'm like, immediately throw this in there. Immediately throw. He's definitely in the S tier. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no doubt in my mind about that. Top three. I mean, I would have to say he is at this point. Um, I, I would say the top three is Mahomes, Rogers and Allen. Yeah. I, think, I don't, I, I don't think there's. And it pains me to say this, and it pained me to tell Shay, and he was surprised, both of us being Ravens fans, and I was like, the whole Lamar Jackson-Josh Allen topic is kind of dead to me at this point. I mean, obviously, we have to see how Lamar rebounds. He had a rough year, and then obviously the injuries compared to Allen having a career year. Um, I think the postseason success alone for Allen has separated him enough. It's not the the wins to me at all. it's to not me, the regular it's, more, it's, it's the two, performances two he's had in the postseason. Yeah, yeah. I mean, somebody was talking about Josh Allen's postseason stats this year. I gotta, I want to pull him up because dude had like nine touchdowns. I believe it was nine touchdowns in two games, and they got bounced. Yeah. It, Jimmy it, G threw no touchdowns and went farther than Josh Allen did throwing nine. <laughs> right, which is nuts, and it's Absolutely also part insane. of the division. Agreed. Yeah. Part of the division, and it shows you how good of a coach Kyle Shanahan is. Well, doubles down on the Kyle Shanahan head coaching ability. Okay, here we go. Playoffs in the 
This is 2021 playoffs. So he had a completion percentage of 77.4%. He threw nine touchdowns, no interceptions. Yeah. And lost in the divisional round. That's in two games, he threw nine touchdowns. That's absurd. What I will tell you is that if Josh Allen were to have made the Super Bowl, this would have been the greatest postseason run by a quarterback ever. Assuming he stayed on the clip he was on, absolutely, yeah. Even even not staying on the clip that he was on. Like, if he would have thrown three touchdowns in the AFC title game, which is a downgrade from the two games beforehand, yeah, he would have went from five, from five to four to three. That still would have clocked as the best postseason by a quarterback of all time because the two there's two that come to mind for for when you're looking at raw stats of QBs that made a Super Bowl. There's been two quarterbacks that have ever thrown for 11 touchdowns and no picks on their way to a Super Bowl. One was Joe Montana and the other one was Joe Flacco. So there you go. Yeah, uh, I, I say think, what you want, man. I think he's in elite company, so I, I'm sad we don't get to see him in the in the Super Bowl. I really am. I wish I wish we could have seen a Bill Super Bowl. I think it would have been entertaining. I would have, um, but I take solace in the fact knowing that they have plenty of chances going forward to get oh, back. Yeah, absolutely. It'll be entertaining to see. Next one I got for you: Rogers to Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay, like the interesting thing about Tampa Bay is they are going to be hot in this QB market now. Oh, they have to be. There was already a lot of teams interested in this QB market, and I think Tampa Bay is now one of them because this team is ready built to win right now. Yeah, I think Tampa Bay is number one, actually, of teams that should be hot because this is the team that I think is the most ready to win a Super Bowl. And it's also, guess what, the most experienced team because they just won one a year ago. Right. You know, like, unless. You know, Joe Burrow decides to hang it up at the end of the year. Stafford decides to hang it up at the end of the year. This is the most recent team to been to a Super Bowl and won a Super Bowl, and he needs a quarterback now. You know, mm-hmm. so um, I am going to pump the brakes on this though. Just I feel like the logistics of this trade would be really, really hard to try to work out going forward. I see them, and I also feel like they're going to gun after Deshaun Watson a little bit harder. Um, yeah, that that could, that could be a good fit. Too. Just shooting young. More than anything, um, but it also just kind of depends on where the market lands. We still don't have any idea. Like, if Stafford is three first round picks, man, what is an Aaron Rodgers going to take to get? What is Probably, Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson going to take to get? I, I think Wilson would be close to Stafford, maybe a little bit more, and I think Rodgers would be close to maybe less because he's older. So yeah, that's true. I think I think um, part of it is longevity of how long how much are you gonna get out of these guys. So does that make Watson the most expensive quarterback in the offseason? I, I think so. I well I well no, because he has the allegations. If he if if it was Deshaun Watson no allegations, then yes. But I think with the trouble, I think that shrinks his value a little bit. I think all of them are gonna be pretty damn close. Like it's not gonna be you know, Sean Watson's not going to pull like six first rounders or something wild like that. You know what I mean? And if he but, does, then Rogers is for, you know, five. I, or four I would, in a second. The plus or minus for almost every QB traded for the big, big ones that potentially could Wilson, Rogers, Deshaun Watson, I would all put their plus or minus at three, like three, three and a half, somewhere in there. Mm. First round picks. I would agree with you. That's definitely got to be up there. But overall, I am going to pump the brakes there because I also I could definitely see them just being patient, going after a Jimmy G, giving Kyle Trask a shot, drafting a quarterback, 
or you know how full circle would that be that tom brady gets jimmy g traded away from the patriots so he doesn't replace him there and then the bucks go out and trade for jimmy g like well and also the niners turned down bringing brady to the bay because they wanted to ride with garoppolo for another year before i end that's why he landed in tampa bay Talk about two tangled careers right there. That would be that would be nuts. Agreed. I feel like Tampa is a team that could not. It doesn't even have to be Jimmy G. Any any high tier backup, low tier starter that becomes available. Like if mm-hmm. Mitchell Trubisky is available, uh, it's as weird as that sounds, and I don't believe he would take them that far. But I could see them not getting as aggressive and going after him or like a Gardner Minshew or a a Teddy Bridgewater slash Drew Locke, whichever one the Broncos don't want to keep, you know, one of those situations. So I definitely, they're going to be active in the QB market. We'll see if they land a top guy or not. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Last one I got Adams to the Raiders. And this is Devontae Adams to the Raiders. Uh, This is the one I believe in the most. Um, I feel like this has been a rumor almost basically since he cemented himself as a top receiver in the game. And the Rodgers rumors of him leaving Green Bay started, this one automatically started right after. Mm-hmm. Like, if Rodgers is gone, where does Devontae go? How about back to his old college roommate? And he goes out to Vegas to play with Derek Carr. Um, they have the cap space for it. They have a need at receiver. You have rapport with a quarterback. These two guys tore it up at Fresno State together. It makes all the sense in the world. And I think the only better destination is if Aaron Rodgers lands at a place that's not Tampa Bay. If he lands to Tampa Bay and they have they hold on to Chris Godwin and Mike Evans, there's you can't go get Devontae at that point. It's that's right. redundant. You don't have the money to spend at the wide receiver spot at that point. But if he lands in Denver and the money works out, yeah, I could see Devontae following him to Denver. I could see him following him to Pittsburgh. You know, as long as the money works, that would be the only thing that stops. Whereas if it was Tampa, it just the depth would stop it right out the right. gate. But, yeah, I think the Raiders is definitely the odds-on favorite because the Packers can't keep him. Um, they just sure. they simply don't have the money. Um, it, they could. It would be very tricky, and they would probably have to give up. I'll, they would have to be very creative, like Saints-level creative in order to keep him. And, yeah, assuming that, and that's if they wanted to tag him. If they want to sign him, I don't know how the hell they would do that. Yeah, just to tag him, they're looking at $40 million and – or to tag him is twenty million, and they're already forty in the hole, you know. Right. So uh, it definitely would be a tough send to get either one done. So, um, before we get out of here, our last word from our sponsor today is going to come to us from No Limit Fantasy Sports. Uh, no Limit Fantasy Sports here. Fantasy sports is a term that refers to a contest of skill in which users compete against others, each other by creative teams consisting of real players from a professional sport. You can win these contests by choosing the players that you think will perform well in real life sport games. These players are rated, get rated on their performance in the games that they play for their club, a point system based on the individual actions of the players is used to decide the score of the individual player on the No Limit Fantasy Sports platform. These points are called fantasy points, and the more points your player has, the better, because your team has the most points at the end of the week, you will win that contest. So, 
Sign up today at NoLimitFantasySports.com. So if you're a fantasy football and basketball freak like I am, and you don't feel like waiting until the you know end of the season for a payout, you don't like waiting 17, 18 weeks, almost 20 weeks for fantasy football, you know, to feel like you've accomplished something, you know, you can go in every single week. You know, you got to stream your picks, take your budget, you know, maybe – Kyler Murray might be the hottest quarterback in the league at the time, but you know if you see a a Dak Prescott who's cheaper playing against a terrible defense, you know you got a chance to flex him at that spot. So check out No Limit Fantasy Sports next football season and check him out for basketball as well. Um, other than that, that is going to do it for the Owen Show week or episode eighteen. Um. Obviously, the Pro Bowl coming up this week. Didn't have quite a bit of time to talk about the rosters like we originally wanted to. Um, But we'll definitely look at the Pro Bowl recap, and we'll probably go over the rosters a little bit next week. And obviously, the Super Bowl uh, preview will be coming next week as well. Yes, absolutely. Um, So make sure you guys go check out what is streaming in Bullpen. The Bullpen Bros, their second pilots, both came out this week. Got a new episode of the mansion that came out this week, and obviously stay tuned for BDL tomorrow on Friday. Other uh, than that, new uh, new TikTok. Follow us on TikTok, so be on the lookout. It's going to be shared from all the boys don't lie stuff. So mm-hmm. uh, Owen and I will be on there. I think uh, a lot of the other guys will be on there too. So yeah, we'll be dropping our content uh, on TikTok. Obviously, what's streaming the bullpen bros, one of one, and the mansion. We'll all have and BDO. We'll all have TikToks that'll go in there. So kind of a broadcast boy situation where you may follow the account and see videos from six different guys in one week. So um, it is at boys don't lie podcast on TikTok. Make sure you follow that. Uh, We are supposed to be making a Twitter coming out as well soon where you can stay tuned for strictly updates about the show and also merch is on the way. I know we've talked about that on BDO for a while, but we're really starting to get the ball rolling on that one. So I can't give you a, can, uh, a sure date because there's going to be a lot of wrinkles and kinks that we kind of have to work out with that. But that is happening going forward. And the Owen Show has been graciously selected to host the first, um, you know, special drop of merch. Kind of your, it's going to be a limited drop. So we're going to put out a certain number of t-shirts, first come, first serve. And we are the first ones up for that. So Nice. We will be in the lab working on the designs. So keep your eyes out for merch. Obviously, you know, stay tuned for all the other content we have coming out. There's a lot of stuff coming out under the BDL tag nowadays. Make sure you go check out all the other shows. Make sure you follow us on Twitter, Owen underscore Burke on Twitter, and at Pisswarm Takes. Yes, sir. All of our sports talk is there. I mean, that's not Tim's got his sports Twitter. That is his sports Twitter. Mine's uh, just my regular Twitter, but all I ever talk about is sports, so it works out the same anyways. Um, yeah, so make sure you follow us on Twitter, listen to everything else, keep your eyes out for merch. Other than that, stay if, safe. If you made it to here, we love you. So Agreed, yes. The show does not go on without you guys. So I appreciate you all very, very much, more than you guys could ever know. So make sure you guys stay safe, stay healthy, wear your mask, wash your hands. All that jazz. We'll see you guys next week for episode 19.